0: Well, three callers tonight, which means you get both quantity and quality. The first caller says, well, Steph, you've always compared religion to government. You say, atheists have ripped away religion from people and left them stranded with nothing. Isn't removing the state going to be the same thing, going to be the same situation? Hmm. The second caller, yeah, he's got some Benjamins. Guy has some money, but he's in a difficult 23-year marriage. He had an affair once, his wife kind of inert, and what he paid for... Well, it still blows my mind to this day. But a very interesting conversation about how to navigate a challenging marriage. And if you have one or know someone who has one, very, very helpful. The third caller says, "Ah, you know, I'm kind of hitting the wall, getting older. My sexual power is diminishing. How am I going to age well as a woman in practical terms? Is there a way that I can replace my fading sexual market value with something else so I can do good or have some positive impact on society? instead of fading into middle-aged invisibility as a woman? It's a great question, and it's on a bunch of people's minds these days, and rightly so, I think. So, without any further ado, let's go.
1: All right, well, for today we have Sam. Sam wrote in and said, You've always compared religion to government, in the sense that you say that atheists have ripped away religion from people and left them stranded with nothing, no moral basis or anything. Please correct me if I'm wrong or misunderstand you. You make an analogy that religions were in a church and atheists ripped that church apart, without providing an alternative for morality or whatever the religion was providing. Which you seem to view as a necessity for humans, for reasons I still don't understand. Why do you think that removing the delusional governments would not have the same destructive effect as removing the delusional religions? Don't you think there are destructive effects of removing governments, just like removing religions? Don't you think that humans are hardwired? To seek authority. That's from Sam.
2: Hey, Sam. How you doing? Hi, Stefan. Nice to talk to you again. Nice to talk How's to done. you,
0: too. Are you hardwired to seek authority?
2: I am not, but I see everyone else is like Oh, that. you're
0: the exception.
2: I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I'm not like everyone else, and uh, I know this sounds, uh, I don't know, narcissistic in some way, but I am someone who abandoned my religion very easily. I didn't, I mean, uh, I can tell you stories how my friends were like, uh, we are Muslims because our parents are like this. And I'm like, if Islam is wrong, I will leave it the next day. And that's what happened. And uh, it didn't take me to, so long. I mean, I came to Germany in uh, like uh, 2008, like uh, beginning 2010. I was already uh, shook very hard. And in one year I was out. Right. So Well Sam. Me? So
0: Sam, yeah. why do yeah. you think that the West or the the cognitive elites, the intellectuals in the West, are so hostile towards Christianity? It's its because they're not hostile towards religion, because they seem to embrace Islam quite readily, at least many of them do. So why do you think that they're so hostile towards Christianity?
2: Now, um okay, uh I don't know why they are hostile to Christianity, but I, I think I have an explanation to why they are friendly towards Islam. Sure. And I think uh, it's all this. First, number one is this whole uh, uh, inclusion and multiculturalism and this uh, nonsense.
0: Well, that should be number Christianity, one. though, right?
2: No, this does not have to include Christianity because Christianity was already there. So it was like uh, by default. Christianity was there, so if we want to include other religions, it does not have to be Christianity. It's like, in some way, we gave it already so much, so let's give other religions a little bit more. Well,
0: sure, but you can do that without attacking Christianity. Like, if if there's a lot of people seated along a bench, but there's room for one more, I don't have to beat someone up. I just have to say, hey, move over, right? I mean, there doesn't have to be hostility.
2: No, I I mean, I'm not saying it makes sense. I mean, come on, do, do you think this sjw bullshit makes sense we all know it doesn't make sense and it's the same thing with white people why why all this hatred to whites does it have to make sense it doesn't have to make sense
0: no, I think a universal phenomenon has to have some explanation right it, it can't just be random otherwise it wouldn't be universal right no
2: i'm not saying it's random i'm saying the explanation is that they have something i mean like whites and christians and all those people had their turn, quote unquote, and uh, now we have to give other peoples the turn because whites or whatever they were strong, they were smart, they did, they built, they did all this uh, good stuff, and now uh, they blame everything that the other cultures did not achieve. But like they have this explanation that. Uh, The uh, the whites have taken it from them. The Christians have taken it from them and stuff like this. You see my my point?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so if you criticize Islam, then you're called Islamophobic. But, of course, if you criticize Christianity, you're not called Christianophobic.
2: Yeah, uh, I think this Islamophobic thing is only because Muslims complain a lot. I mean, I come come from that culture. Never noticed that at all. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god I'm i mean come on when any t- terrorist attack happens the first thing you see the first thing you don't see any mourning for the victims from the muslims the first thing you see from muslims this does not represent islam right or it's mental illness yeah. oh okay
0: of course that's that's uh, the that's new thing, thing right like there was a shooting in toronto the Danforth shooting yeah. and the guy seemed to let non-whites go he um Seemed to be pretty well-trained, and uh, he attended a mosque where there seemed to be some radical views. And they wouldn't even release his name until they had the whole mental illness narrative set up, yeah. right? Yeah. And now they're even taking down the memorial to the victims. Can't have that. Can't have that reality or reminder.
2: Well, well, yeah. It's uh, from the sense that it's uh, mental illness. I, I can't argue with that because, I mean, uh, you can always throw, throw it at that. But, I mean, the the problem – I consider myself a very rational person. And when I see what those uh, young people, SJWs or whatever, are doing, I cannot understand what they're doing and why. You see, like – Well, okay. uh, So,
0: I mean, one of the studies or the stats that just came out recently regarding the United States is that the majority of teenagers live in a house where it's dependent on the government for money.
2: Yes, yes. I mean, maybe it's like uh, hardwired in them to uh, seek resources.
0: Well, no, we're all hardwired to seek resources. It's whether we do it honorably or dishonorably that that matters or has the impact. So the people who pay the most taxes in America are white males. That's true. And so the people who have to be exploited for the welfare state and for diversity and for all of this other kind of stuff is white males. And Mm -hmm. whoever you exploit, you must dehumanize you you have to call people evil if you want yes. to exploit them otherwise you're just Absolutely. a jerk right and so Absolutely. given that the entire modern system of misgovernance relies upon white males never waking up and saying wait a minute what the hell's in this for us how is this benefiting mm-hmm. us right? I mean, yes. you, have to, you have to keep attacking and undermining and criticizing and ripping down their statues and calling them evil and Islamophobic and patriarchal and misogynistic and racist and sac- you have to keep breaking them down. Otherwise, mm-hmm. well, it might be a little bit tougher to exploit people who have some pride. Absolutely.
2: Uh, I, uh, that's one point And I, I agree with it fully. But I still think that uh, Muslims complain a lot. <laughs> I mean, this, uh, this uh, thing that uh, whenever some terrorist attack happens, you start seeing Muslims coming out and saying this does not represent Islam. What, what do we call this? I mean, do you have an explanation for this?
0: Wait, do I have an explanation for it?
2: Yes, yes. Do you have an explanation why? Why the first thing you'll see? I mean, even the, Obama came out once after a terrorist attack, and the first thing he said was like, "This does not represent Islam." I mean, come on. <laughs> well, before any more people. Yeah,
0: I think that it is, you know, if if you do have, let's say. And we've all seen the graphs, right? So if you do have a religion or a belief system that seems to produce just a few more terrorists than everyone else, then you have two choices. You can either distance yourself from the terrorism or you can look in the mirror and say, I wonder if there's anything, anything in our belief system that might give some kind of encouragement to this terrorism, even if it's misinterpreted, even if it's an earlier or later hadith, I wonder if there's anything possible that's in our belief system that might give some encouragement to this kind of terrorism. And I think they'd pretty much, a lot of people, of course, in, in the Muslim world would rather say, well, it's got nothing to do with us, rather than say, gosh, maybe we should have a look at some of these belief systems or some of these hadiths and so on, and we should start some kind of reformation. But that doesn't seem to be particularly imminent for reasons I've gone into in this show before. So, you know, you can externalize the blame pretty easily rather than look in the mirror and say... Maybe we need to change some of how we do things.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, one fun fact: I think the reformation is not possible in Islam, and I think the reason is um, that Islam has no central authority in any way, shape, or form. And uh, there are all, there are lots of cults. I mean, there is the Sunni and Shiite, sure, the main ones, but internally there there is lots of cults. So many. That if any rational reformation happens in Islam, it will be one new cult that will be destroyed sooner or later. This happened like a gazillion times already. I mean, there, there there was there were cults that were destroyed completely in history, and there were the, these rational people who uh, did the the golden era in Islam, where they did all these translations and good stuff, and they were they were exterminated. I, I don't see any. Uh, any of them now? Anyone who uh, says I am one of these, you see. So now in this era, there are people who come out and may, uh, do reformation. And what is re- reformation? This is also one thing we have to discuss. Reformation means a reinterpretation of religion. The religion in a way where, in a way where we like uh, discredit everything that's terrorist or anything that doesn't make sense and yeah, you know, stuff like this. And there are people who are doing this. But they're not that famous. They're not that common. And they are just a small cult. It grows a little bit and then, like a bubble, and then blows up and it goes away. This happened many times. I mean, I can give you examples now. Please do. Uh, for example, there's uh, this guy called Adnan Ibrahim. I don't know if you heard of this guy, but he makes lectures uh, in uh, Austria. And his lecture, like, I, I, I mean, in 2009, around that time, he was very famous because he started, like, with... Uh, he had this uh, flavor of science and uh, the guy who makes sense and uh, the guy who's rational. But then over time, things changed. People started realizing how much bullshit he has, and people started splitting. Because those people who realized what kind of bullshit he has like myself, I, I distanced myself from him and I said, like, he's one of everyone, he's like everyone else. He was, he, he's seeking some interests, although he is like trying to do some reformation of the religion. But then, uh, like, like, people split and he is not that famous anymore. He, he appears on TV every now and then. And uh, it's not like, I mean, his ideas are quite peaceful. He's against all those, uh, like, uh, kill infidels and all the stuff that we know. And uh, he, he's against every, uh, like, uh, for example, taking concubines from uh, from whites and all this crap. He's against all that. He's against uh, stealing from the West against all the bad things we know. But is he, like, becoming the mainstream? Is he even close? Not even close. And this is not the first time that this happens. Yeah. Sooner or later, you will have... One like one group like saying that the other group are infidels are kafirs and they have to be exterminated in some way. And if there's, I mean, countries fail at stopping this, and uh, guess what? Uh, what's happening now? I mean, this whole discussion with you was triggered by the fact of doing by 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 by, by, by something happened with me by doing what's right. Look at what happened in Syria well there is some chaos and anarchy and guess what happens the first thing that happens the people started to uh, started killing each other based on religion you think this is the first time this happens we've been killing each other since 1400 years the 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 people of muhammad killed each other like uh, 20 30 years after uh, his death i mean it's it's an unresolvable issue i think there's no way to solve it and i think this has happened this has happened many times and it's going to happen again and whenever there's any kind of anarchy, all these cults will start killing each other.
0: Well, yeah, I, I mean, I... so one of the challenges is that if Muhammad did it, it's tough to criticize, to put it mildly, right? And well how do
2: you know how do you know that he did it? No, well, I mean, in point. terms
0: of what is written and, and what is accepted as as well, you can validate
2: that. That's oh, even that you cannot validate that. That's very, very debatable. Like I explained in my last call, you have all these levels of credibility, and every person can take any hadith and say, this is okay, I believe this, this is not okay, I don't believe that. And you have this cocktail of people, like you have a buffet, and everyone takes whatever hadith he wants. Right, Right, right. And like I said, ISIS is really the true Islam, because they are objective. They look at hadith based on what they are. Like, if this is weak, they take it as weak. If this is sahih, they take it as sahih. Sahih is like a synonym for a credible. And stuff like this. Like, uh, I mean, how can he get consensus with this? It's a mess.
0: It is. That, and that, listen, if it's any consolation, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Christians were at each other's throats for 100 or 200 years as well.
2: I, I cannot speak for Christianity, but I see it probably hopeless for Islam. Probably we need hundreds of years if not thousands. Well, examples. it would certainly
0: be helpful to stop the cousin marriage stuff. Yeah. <laughs> because the cousin marriage stuff is pretty, Absolutely. pretty harsh on the old IQ and that yeah, may yeah, take yeah. away yeah. some of the subtlety of theological debate.
2: Yeah. Like I told you the last time I, my, 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 uh, my aunt uh, married her cousin and uh, more than half of our children are, uh, are, are, are insane. So I don't know lots of this. So, I mean, I mean going back to our topic like uh, yeah. we were discussing whether 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 people are hardwired for authority and uh, why I mean this is not my main question in this discussion my main question is why do you think that religion is necessary in any level or any shape or form because doing what's right is probably not the best thing to do and this is the core question in this call because you know in 2010 2011 When this whole Syrian revolution thing started, I'm originally Syrian, I was very excited. I was very happy because the country is way corrupt beyond your imagination, seriously. And uh, the regime has to be destroyed in in, in any way. And I was like, please, let's do this. And I was uh, chanting for it and I want it to happen. I contributed through Facebook and all this stuff.
0: It sounds and, like the uh, we'll be greeted as liberators. Next thing, we'll get a true Jeffersonian democracy out of Iraq. I mean, everybody has yeah. these ideas going in, right?
2: Yes, yes. This is, I mean, the right thing to do is to destroy this reg- regime. This, well, no, because uh, it works. It
0: worked in the Second World War in Japan. It worked in the Second World War in Italy, and it worked in the Second World War in Germany. So people are like, "Wow, we blew up the Nazis. We blew up the Emperor's troops." And Mussolini got hung, and next thing you know, you've got a pretty free society. Yep. Little bit of a, and he can't say, well, it can't just be white people because Japanese aren't white, and it can't just be Western values because the Japanese weren't Western. But it worked, and yep. so we're like, well, this we got to do this everywhere except the Japanese, the Germans, and the Italians are high IQ populations, so it's different.
2: Probably it's that. I, I can say it's probably that, but. I mean, it, it, now, if you take me back in time, if I go back to 2010, if I get a time machine and have this choice, I'll tell myself, please stop, don't do it. Not because it's wrong, but because look what happened. There's now 10 times inflation in the currency. People are hungry everywhere. I have friends there telling me stories that, that are killing me when I hear them, Like like the military is in control of all food. And this is not now. This is like two, three years ago. The military's control of all food, and women stand in front of my, my university, where I had my bachelor education. They stand in front of the university, offering themselves to get like a box of tomatoes or whatever. Right. It was that bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the same thing happens in Venezuela, which was a formerly relatively rich country. So it's not just yes. an IQ thing; it's also a. Um, it's a socialism thing. It's a uh, communism thing. It's a central planning. It's a destruction of any remnants of the free market thing that
3: yeah, – you know, yeah, I mean, Oh,
0: we're going to get rid of Muammar Gaddafi because he's a bad guy. It's like, yeah, he was a bad guy. But compared to what? Saddam Hussein, a bad guy. But compared to what? And if you have a country which has boiling sectarian violence, a relatively low IQ population, you tell me how it can run – it can be run without a dictator. I don't know.
2: I don't know, me neither. I mean, now I, I'm convinced that some people are not smart enough to be, to be, like, to create democracy themselves. And one of them is Syria. And uh, what are we going to do? It, it's the right thing to do to destroy the regime, but am I going to do it? No. Would I suggest to do it if I go back with the time machine? No, because I've seen what happened. Well, no, there's people a way to do it, though. To.
0: There's a horrible way Sorry? to do it. And it's not one, Sam, that I recommend at all, but just looking at it objectively and horribly, there's a horrible way to do it. Uh, but, uh, and, and the way that you do it is, so, so think of the Middle Ages, more or less in, in Western Europe. So you had a cognitive elite, which were the priesthood and the aristocracy. And obviously, you know, if you can learn Latin and ancient Aramaic and ancient Greek, you're a smart guy and so you have and i know that my ancestors uh, the Molynews, uh on my father's side and the um on my mother's side very smart people very you know great writers and philosophers intellectuals artists poets and so on and you have a small group tip of the pyramid of cognitive elites and then you have a big mass of people who just aren't that smart you can't reason with them uh, they can't defer gratification very well they're self-righteous they're pompous they're arrogant, they complain a lot, and they don't have any subtlety or self-doubt. They're they're absolutely certain and they're absolutely wrong. And then what you do, you see, terrible though, and it's not what you do, but this is one way that it can be done, which is what I'm trying to help avoid through this kind of conversation, is you say, okay, well, first, you need a terrible illness, something like the Black Death. And what that's going to do is it's going to wipe out a third of the population. And it's going to generally wipe out a third of the population that's less intelligent. Because smarter mm-hmm. people have options, they can get out of the cities. They wash their hands. They can afford soap. They, you know, they they, they can make yes, sure they yes. don't touch people, right? And so, yes. what you can do is you can have a terrible disease raging through the region, which mm-hmm. kills off the less intelligent portion of the population, on average. And then, what you do—this is again not recommended—I would say. Well, then, what you do yeah. is you say, well. Let's have all of the religious absolutists fight each other until they kill each other off. Because religious (laughs) absolutism, I believe, is partly genetic. There is a kind of fanaticism that has its roots in genes, which is why you can't reason with them. It's like trying to reason someone into changing their eye color or being taller or shorter or changing their skin color. You can't do it. And so what you do is for a couple of hundred years, you – let So the first thing you get the the wave of, of illness and then what you do is that gets rid of a third of the population and then what happens is you let a third of the lower IQ polit- uh, uh, religious fanatics wage war against each other while the smart people are like, I'm just stepping back. I'm going to sit in my castle, I'm going to hoard my food and I'm just going to wait it out. And then what happens is you end up with 20% of people or maybe 30% of people left over after this two wave process of illness and religious warfare. And then, what they can do is they can build the enlightenment in the modern world without all of these other people in the way being idiots and uh, I, I i don't like that approach, obviously i can 't say this often enough, but it works, and it is one of the ways in which it's like it's like winter right Winter continually <laughs> shaves off the bottom five or ten percent of idiots who don 't plan for the winter and lays around grasshopper style all summer and uh, don't lay in their savings uh, of, of food and resources for the winter. And uh, winter is just continually taking out, scooping out the bottom uh, of, of your intelligence. And that's one of the reasons why uh, races or, or ethnicities that constantly face winter, again, outside of the Inuit or the Eskimo and the way because they don't have um, – uh, they, can, they can hunt and fish year round. So there's not that need to defer gratification in the way that you have with agriculture. But when you have winter, you're constantly shaving off and, and basically not – not re- they're not reproducing the bottom five or ten percent of your population uh, on average, not every year, but over time, and that just moves everyone up or to the right on the IQ curve. So there are ways to do it, but man, it is not recommended. And uh, yes, yes. I'm hoping that <laughs> there's other ways that, that this can happen.
2: I believe this is very close to what's happening now in Syria because uh, people, lots of people have died. Lots of people have died. You have no idea about the numbers. It's uh, scary. And now religious fanatics are, are fighting each other. It's, uh, I mean, th- th- this religious fanatics e- fighting each other, like I said, it's been going on since forever. I, I hope this ends with something reasonable, but it-, it looks like that Bashar al-Assad won. He won. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, what, 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 do you do,
0: what do you do do you with your religious fanatics who are willing to use violence? It's not just religious fanatics. What do you do with the communists? Yeah.
3: Uh, with Actually, the communists Bashar who are willing to communist.
0: use violence to get their way. What do you do with them? Can you reason them out of their perspective? I'm sure that's true for a few, but with the rest, it's a it's a pretty tough question. Uh, if they're the really way, dedicated, is, uh, you can't associated. reason with them, and they're willing to use violence to get their way, it's really tough to know what to do.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, Syria is a socialist country, by definition, not with what they're doing. It's a corrupt country, so cannot re- you cannot really put it in any economic category. But it's but with their mottos and what they say it's a socialist country.
0: It is. It so, is <laughs> and uh, of yes. course one of the ways that this could happen is everybody bails out and gets to other countries who are smarter yeah. and you let the religious fanatics destroy each other and then you move back.
2: Yeah, but no the 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 uh, the currency is inflated, the economy is destroyed, everything is stolen, uh, factories are off. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, the the country will need 50 other years to recover. It's destroyed.
0: Yes well it's the same thing and, with libya right? and same yeah, thing with iraq yeah.
2: yep yep so now, now, now the, yeah, the go question ahead. now is about the right the right thing this is the the right thing to do was to stop this regime but we didn't do it
0: wait wait which regime
2: uh, the the Syrian regime i mean we couldn't do it we shouldn't do, it. We, shouldn't do it. we shouldn't even try you mean to do Bashar it other yes
0: why why this was for, it right he, to, why was it right to stop his regime
2: because he he has a corrupt government. Compared to
0: what? What's wrong with living under a corrupt government if your other alternative is to be beheaded by ISIS?
2: Thank you. Now, now that I mean, you see now. Now you're getting where where I want to go It's that there are alternatives that are not always visible, and the, the my my first question was, you're saying that religion. I, please correct me on wrong I don't like to say what you were saying because, but. I heard you say this, and I would like to understand your point here. You're saying that uh, completely abandoning religion is bad in some way because atheism does not offer alternatives in some things.
0: Okay, let me, let and, me make the brief case. And listen, I'm talking yes, more please. in the Western context. So Please go ahead. So one of the most central positions of secular skepticism, and this was laid out by David Hume, and it's been talked about by a number of other philosophers since, which is you cannot get an ought from an is. So if uh, you uh, take some Sorry, guy yeah. and you hold his head underwater until he drowns, there's nothing in the nature of the universe that says you shouldn't do that, right? There's nothing in physics. I mean, physically, you can do it. Now, if you have religion, then thou shalt not kill is even deeper than the mere physics of the everyday because it's a moral reality that's larger and wider and deeper than mere the mere veil of tears, physical reality that we we live in. Now... Again, I'm not saying – well, actually, I mean, the, the crime rates in many Islamic countries is is relatively low. So, I mean, that we, we, whether you consider what the government's doing a crime or not, uh, that's that's another matter. But in terms of like citizen-on-citizen crime, there are um, some stats that are, are not not the end of the world. But when you say we are going to argue against the existence of God – there's very logical reasons, and I've gone into them, and I've got a whole book on this uh, called Against the God, so there are very good reasons to argue against the existence of God. However, if God is the source of moral self-restraint, then the question becomes, what? how do you get people to be moral when you take away the shadow cast by God, which is morality? And so, uh, listen, I do not believe in God, and I can make arguments with the best of them against the existence of God. But if you are going to pull that thread in the West, then you have to provide a replacement for the moral absolutes that religion supports. And if you don't, then what you're doing is you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater is the phrase that you can use. What you're doing is you're saying, I'm getting rid of God because God is irrational or anti-rational in some ways. And well, if you don't understand that that also gets rid of morality, as far as has ever been understood by the vast majority of human beings, then you are, you you have an, uh, a, an innocent bystander in your takedown of God, which is morality. Now, given that people need some sort of moral standards to live, what happens is you get rid of God and... People will try to find some other structure by which they can absorb or practice or enshrine morality. And I don't think it's an accident that the fall of religion provoked the rise of communism and socialism. Because instead of self-restraint and thou shalt not steal and trying to get into heaven as the basis for moral decisions in the West, it became sentimentality plus the brutality of the state. You know, well, poor people, they're sad, so let's just use the power of the state to redistribute income. Or, wow, this woman, she got pregnant out of wedlock, it's really sad, so let's just give her $50,000 a year in goods and services for the rest of her life. Or the rest of the life of her kid, at least. And then, of course, she will just give her stuff for old age pensions and so on. And so my concern, Sam, is that... In getting rid of God, they also got rid of religion. Now, I believe, I believe that the real target, sorry, in getting rid of God, they got rid of religion, they got rid of morality. Now, I believe that their real target was morality, that morality, Christian morality, was what they wished to do away with. And they they shot at morality, and they shot through God to make sure that they got morality, right? So they lined up, they shot through God in order to hit their real target, which was Christian morality. Morality. And I say that because the level of hatred against Christianity that runs through the left is extraordinarily high. Now, when I was younger, before Islam became a significant focus and force in the West, I thought, wow, these leftists, boy, they really dislike religion, don't they? You know, and I thought, okay, but they really dislike religion. And they're willing to say, well, we'll scrap morality if it means getting rid of God, because we really dislike religion as a whole. But what has been the great instruction over the past 20 or so years has been the left doesn't dislike religion at all. The left seems to love Islam and doesn't even seem to have problems with things like Sikhism and so on, and and doesn't seem to have any problems with things like Satanism and so on, right? So no, they just hate Christianity, and the question is why. Well, because the one thing that Christianity provides is the moral underpinning for Western civilization. So they hate the West, they hate the free market, they hate individual responsibility, they hate all of this stuff, And in order to take down the ethics that support it, they had to get rid of God, the Christian God. And now when other groups come in, some of whom also dislike Christians, I mean, I know that in Islam, Christians are people of the book and so on, but they're considered to follow not the final prophet, who is Muhammad. And there's certainly in Islamic countries, there is the uh, subjugation and taxation of Christians a lot of time, if not sometimes the outright attack. And sometimes it would seem attempts at genocide. I'm looking at you, Turks. And so if they have other groups that also dislike christianity in some ways then they will ally with those they don't dislike they okay. don't dislike religion at all they simply dislike okay. christianity which means they dislike the fruits of christianity which are christian morals uh, which produced the free market and the west and to some degree the separation of church and state and so on and so atheists if they wanted to be Honorable, good, decent people say we dislike ish- irrationality. Then they should, of course, have problems with all religious structures. And some atheists mm-hmm. do. I mean, I'm thinking of uh, people like Bill Maher and and Christopher Hitchens and so on, who had their criticisms of non-Christian religions such as Islam. But for the vast majority, they perfectly happy to ally with uh, Islam as they did in um in Iran. Right. I mean, in Iran, the the leftists uh, they they aligned with the the mullahs and the fundamentalists uh, uh, Muslims and uh, worked against the remnants of the free market and separation of church and state that characterized, however corrupt it may have been, Iran before the uh, revolution uh, in in the 70s and the imposition of a, a fundamentalist theocracy. So yeah, if you want to get rid of God because you hate Christian morality, okay, then just be honest and say, we hate Christian morality. And uh, they're not though. They say, well, we're atheists and so on, but then they always tend towards The left, they tend towards the government, because if you get rid of self-restraint, you end up having to restrain people through some other mechanism, and generally, that is government force.
2: Okay. Um, Don't you think that uh, atheism became more popular because of science?
0: Yes. uh, I I, I actually just made that case recently, so I, I completely agree with you. Atheism became more popular because religion had said for many thousands of years Oh, don't worry, come to us and we'll pray for you to get healthy if you're ill. Or, you know, we're going to solve this problem. Or if you have a question about how the universe goes, don't go to science, go to the Bible. And mm-hmm. over the past 400 years or so, that modern science has really dominated the Western mind. Yeah, there's not really any competition. And that's the amazing thing, Sam. This is what's so frustrating. Is if you look at what science did to human power relative to religion, imagine what a scientific morality could do relative to to religious morality. Imagine what a scientific morality could do what relative is to a religious morality? morality. It would be an even greater step forward is, than physical science what, was what relative it? to theology. What is,
2: it? What, is it? What, is it? what is it? What is a scientific morality?
0: Well, a rational, empirical, universal morality. I've got a whole book in it called Universally Preferable Behavior, okay. a Rational okay. Proof Fair of Secular much. Ethics, uh, which is – and then, then of course, you end up with a stateless society, right? And, and okay, a stateless sure, society sure. would be the greatest leap forward humanity has ever uh, experienced, uh, bar none. And it would actually be the capacity for a sustainable growth of uh, uh, of human society without all of this endless crap where you get growth, followed by corruption, followed by decay, followed by collapse.
2: Um, uh, when I mentioned that people seek authority, I maybe I'm not representing myself correctly or clearly, but it's basically what you said now. It's basically people are seeking something to abide to. But why? Because I don't know. No, listen, <laughs> you. You,
0: you have a GPS on your phone, right?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: When you go to the mailbox or you go to the corner store, do you use your GPS? No. No, because you know where you're going, you know what you're doing. So why do people consult a GPS. They consult a GPS because they don't know where they're going. So when people you say, well, people seek authority, well, sure. Sure, they seek authority because they don't know what they're doing or where they're going. They don't know what the truth is. They don't know what virtue is. So they have to seek out authority. If you blindfold a guy, then he's going to have to get a stick and feel ahead of himself. And when you take the blindfold off, he can walk more confidently. So people seek authority because their independent thought has been castrated by a variety of social and political and theological factors. And if you give people their balls back, so to speak, they won't seek out authority because they will be able to think for themselves.
2: Fair enough. But then this means that religion is not really any necessary, whether it's Christianity or otherwise. Because uh, we can refer to scientific uh, morality, uh, as you call it. Because, I mean, the way I see it, religious uh, morality is uh, highly hypocritical because it does not come from religion. I mean, you can have very straight commandments like thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not steal or whatever. But then you can have very uh, opposing cases like slavery. I mean, you know the sense of uh, Christianity on slavery. If you go to a Christian now and talk to him about slavery, he will find ways and reasons and justifications to show you that it's wrong right? Yes. Where does that come from? Does that come from the Bible? No, that's basically an interpretation of the Bible based on the morality he learned from society. So basically, the source of morality is not really any religion. It's basically society. No, 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 I agree with that.
0: I agree with that. So let let me put it to you this way. So if if you, you know, you and I, we, we live in the woods, right? And People get infections all the time. I mean, people forget just like tooth decay and infections killed a lot of people. And what we do is we say, I don't know, let's try crushing this berry and putting it in the wound. Oh, that killed the guy. Okay, let's rub these two leaves together and we'll put it into the wound and see, like you do this trial and error. And over thousands of years, this trial and error may in fact produce some vaguely useful stuff, maybe. Maybe as opposed to the modern technique, which is, well, we understand what an infection is, we can study the bacteria, we can figure out what's going to kill the bacteria. Now we've got antibiotics, we've got like, you don't have to do all of the stupid trial and error. Now, the development of religious morality is a lot of trial and error oh well let's try focusing on this particular part of the religious text oh actually you know for the for the next 500 years that really didn't work out so well okay let's try focusing on this particular part oh wow you know this is going better maybe we'll. and it's all this stupid trial and error whereas of course philosophy is to this trial and error as modern medicine is to the trial and error of herbology and the humors and leeches and all of this kind of crap so we can actually figure things out ahead of time very easily and very quickly using philosophy as a, at least like using science to to figure things out rather than, than trial and error. So I agree with you. But if you look at the longevity of religions, there has been a lot of trial and error that for a lot of the religions has produced some fairly workable moral standards. Again, I wouldn't agree yes. with a lot of them around the world, but there have been some, particularly when you combine it or leave in it, I suppose, to s- with the with, uh, Greco-Roman philosophy, because we all say Judeo-Christian, but it's also Greco-Roman. It's very strong in the Western tradition. So, yeah, it doesn't produce it, but there's some useful stuff that's come out of religion in the same way that uh, we have dogs and cats, not because anybody understood genetics, but because people bred the friendliest wolves together until we had dogs and they bred the f- mm-hmm. friendliest wild cats together until we had domesticated cats they didn't know what the hell they were doing but they could still mm-hmm. figure out the patterns
2: yes yes um um i i i'm getting the like the feeling from you that you are more empathetic to religious people like they are not in control they cannot understand that they have this good morality in their religion and that's why you are sympathetic towards them, or empathetic, so to say. So you are not exactly—I mean, you're against religion because it doesn't make sense, just like me. But you are with religion because it gave good basis for morality. Did, did I catch that right? Because I'm I'm fading. It to has it has point.
0: developed some useful moral standards that are productive and helpful within society in a lot of ways. And again, I'm not talking like okay. Saudi Arabia beheading some woman for speaking up about women's rights. and yeah, so yeah, on. yeah. I mean, sure, you understand, sure. right? And-
2: yeah, absolutely. And so, you.
0: if you, and I'm, you know, I'm a big one for you know, let's go for what's true rather than what's false. And there has been a huge amount of trial and error in religion. And generally, those religions that are more accurate tend to spread more quickly. And that's what's okay. fascinating to me about Islam is that mm-hmm. you can say, well, if you want, if you grew up in a Christian tradition like I did, you could say, well, Islam is it's crazy, and so one, but it's, uh, it's spreading pretty, pretty rapidly, which means it must be getting something right. And th- that's a really fascinating question. And I've made these kinds of jokes in the past when I hear about these, you know, Western people or Western women. It was like, yeah, you know, I had a guy with, I had a kid with a guy. And now he's in jail. Now I'm living with some other guy, and he's got a girlfriend who's moving in with us. And it's all just this mad chaos, right? And it's like, well, that's not happening under under uh, Sharia law uh, at all. And uh, other things are happening that I don't agree with, but something's work it out because uh it's the fastest growing religion right so something's got to be working in a in a like you can you can say uh, about any product that spreads well it's got to be serving some kind of need or or serving some kind of yeah
2: yeah i mean uh, it's probably also poverty and low iq because that means more uh, procreation and you know
0: yeah well there is that aspect as well but uh But that would make sense as to why there may may be higher populations in Muslim countries, but the fact that it's also spreading very rapidly to Western countries. I mean, there are...
2: It's spreading very rapidly, actually, by birth. If you check the numbers, it's the birth rate.
0: I understand that. I mean, the idea that England, within 35 years or so, is very likely to be majority Muslim, is really Mm -hmm. quite a stunning statistic. And of course, this has been the goal and it's it's written about in the Quran, right? And it has been the goal for many years that uh, through through our women's wombs will we gain uh, victory. And uh, but, but the reality is, of course, that this birth rate would be virtually impossible without the welfare state voted in by a lot exactly. of white Christians. So exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's not exactly
3: helping.
2: Okay. Um, 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 so uh, I have a question. If you had a red button and it's written beside this button: oh, red button. <laughs> press this button, and all governments will be erased. Were you? Are you going to press uh, press this button?
0: Well, all governments erased is a very complex question because they're human beings. If I could push a button and have people accept that, if I yeah. could push a button and have people accept that the initiation of the use of force was immoral and that property rights are absolute. Of course, yeah. yeah, I would push that button. I mean, you understand that there's no way to, to test this, but uh, it would be the greatest Absolutely. leap forward in human freedom that could be imagined. There is no way, of course, to have that button, and I'd rather make arguments. But yeah, if there was a way to yes. configure people's minds to be more open to reason and evidence, it'd be tough to say no.
2: No, no, I mean, uh, not reason and evidence, because that button is a, is a, is an analogy of uh, removing governments now. If, you had, if we had the choice to make the next election remove a government for our country, and uh, you had the choice for that election in some way. You could play with uh, with the results in some way and make it happen and remove the governments. Now, would, do you think people are capable of living without governments?
0: Well, no. The question is, Sam, are people capable of living with governments? And the answer to that generally is no. Is no.
2: Well, well, okay. Because uh, because, because the
0: governments you- always end up collapsing they always end up starting wars they always end up with bottomless debt and you know they they tend to result in the deaths of uh, untold numbers of people absolutely i mean if you look at what's going on in south africa now where they're openly starting to steal white farms it's like um, can people live without government it's like well they don't seem to be able to live with government very well so i'll take my chances absolutely
2: but by the way in no way i like governments
0: no no i appreciate that and i I, I know it's a mental exercise yeah
2: yeah, it's it, it, because I am trying to make the comparison between governments and religions because two or three hundred years ago, Stefan Molyneux would say that religion is wrong, let's get rid of religions and now I'm making the same mental exercise I mean, now we know that religions has some good in, in like uh, uh, some good things in them like the morality they provide and they help in the survival of people through this morality, regardless of how other parts of this morality doesn't make sense, right?
0: Yes, but my, my, my conscience is very clear, because as an atheist, one of the first things that I did was work on the issue of morality and has uh, i have i don't even know probably 30 different videos explaining it the book is available for free uh, all over the world it's been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times so i'm perfectly happy with my own conscience i don't know how other people live yes. with themselves who are atheists yes, who but... don't work on the question of morality but my conscience is 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 very clear yes, yes. and so that's i've you. done it but... just about everything that i can
2: yeah, yeah uh, absolutely and that's you and your high uh, iq guy and it's not an issue, actually, for high IQ people. They can resolve this. But I'm talking for the majority of people because, I mean, we seem to have agreed now that uh, religion had some good effect. Religion had some good no, effect. High IQ effect people can be
0: desperately amoral or immoral. In their personal yes, lives, so they oh. tend to be more moral. But when it comes to abstractions, very, very high IQ people are uh, very very keen on worshiping state power and very very keen on socialism and and all this kind okay. of stuff you know I mean look at somebody like okay, um, okay. noam chomsky yeah high i q people uh still out there defending Venezuela and chavez and all kinds of crap
2: okay okay then uh, um, I take that back that's not that's not my point my po- point but my point is that uh the majority of people have, apparently have failed to like live without religion and without worshiping the state right
0: but that's because now they go to the religion called government schools yes so we we, we don't have an experiment wherein people are free to choose because they're indoctrinated both in primary schools in junior high and high schools and particularly in universities and colleges in the softer sciences and in the humanities Mm -hmm. they're just Mm -hmm. relentlessly indoctrinated into statist worship and a hatred of their own culture so saying yes. you know it's sort of like saying well i'm gonna addict i'm gonna get a whole bunch of little kids addicted to heroin and say well you see people have a tough time living without heroin it's like well maybe if we don't get them addicted to heroin first that might be better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah and uh, and i actually have the same uh, theory about religions people abide to religions not because they make sense or not make sense it's because they're raised with it mm-hmm. The majority of people don't leave their religions, and uh, if you raise people without religions, then they may, may be even able to live without them and morally with scientific morality. Yeah. But then, since we have this huge series of inheritance of religion, every uh, all parents teach their children their uh, thoughts and their uh, beliefs. That's how it's being uh, bequeathed between generations.
0: But it can't and, last. It can't last. And, and I'm just going to move on to the next caller, but let me just finish sort of with my worst case scenario, which I actively hope won't happen. But mm-hmm. as you know, every human life at present in the world, billions and billions, on average is sustained by 30,000 US dollars in debt.
2: Yes, yes, that's Absolutely.
0: Awesome unsustainable
2: I'm a, crypto, I'm a cryptocurrency guy i know all yeah this. yeah you know this so it's
0: absolutely unsustainable
2: yes I and know. so and, what's going to happen
0: most likely although again I, i'm working my damnedest to prevent this but what is still quite likely to happen is that the governments are going to run out of money there's going to be hyperinflation there's going to be interruptions yes. in the food supply and a lot of people are going to fight and war and flee and die and unfortunately, uh, this is one of these storms of historical inevitability based upon an ignorance or avoidance or downright rejection of basic rational principles and morality and free markets and so on. There are going to be a lot of people dying and the people who are left over, we hope, are going to both learn from this horrible carnage and be slightly smarter than your average bear. And these are the people who are going to have to rebuild things and humanity as a whole is going to have to have its never again moment where we say, okay, so when we give government control of the currency, people lose control of the government. The government will always expand. The government will always become corrupt. The government will always end up destroying its host civilization. So we're going to have to build something different. We're going to have to build something truly free. And we're going to have to start looking at government as a whole, like we look at Nazism in particular, there may be a few lunatics who are really keen on it. But everybody as a whole recognizes that national socialism is a terrible idea. All we have to do is take the national part out of it and say socialism, whether it's socialism of currency, whether it's socialism of human beings, whether it's socialism of children's minds in the form of uh, indoctrination schools and so on, that socialism is a terrible, terrible thing because socialism relies upon the initiation of force and the destruction of human freedoms. And so hopefully we will get the right lessons out of it. Now, the socialists, of course... Want this coming disaster to be blamed on capitalism. And they say, well, you see, the problem, yeah, the problem is, you see, that there were all these banks and the banks were selling bonds and the bonds couldn't be paid. And it was all about the greed of the free marketeers and the financiers and the banksters. So what we need to do is make sure we never have (laughs) a free market again and all will be well. I I
2: heard this. I heard this before. Of course. I really did. Yeah.
0: And it's a very, (laughs) very tempting hypothesis for idiots. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to have to keep talking about what has really caused. The modern disasters, which is violation of fundamental moral rules, a few—not a few—of which are contained within the Ten Commandments, and the wages of sin yes. is death. So we must go forward as humanity, okay. and sin no more. Thank you very much for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, let's move on to the next caller.
2: Thank you, Stefan. Bye bye.
1: All right. Up next, we have William. William wrote in and said, I'm in a difficult 23-year marriage. While I've not always been a saint, I've worked very hard for the last 12, 13 years to be a great provider, great father, and great citizen. No matter how much effort I give, my wife sees me as a tyrant and someone she needs to protect herself and our children from. How do I move forward in this relationship? Or how do I give up on my marriage vows and throw in the towel? That's from William. Hey, William. How
0: are you doing?
4: I'm well, Stefan. How are you? I am all right.
0: So what do you mean when you say you've not always been a saint?
4: Um, I had an affair in year nine of our marriage. We've been married 23 years.
0: And what brought that on?
4: I I think I just felt disconnected from my my wife. And uh, um, in a small hotel road and slowly worked its way up and, and finally ended up having a, I don't know, a few months relationship with a co-worker and then uh one of our kids got sick and kind of snapped me back into reality so i ended it and did your wife find out about it yeah i i uh told her 12 years ago
0: and why did you about, tell her
4: five years after <laughs> it, was, it was a big mistake i shouldn't have i uh I felt like I was doing the right thing, but to be honest with you, I think it it did more damage than it did good. In fact, I know it did. Yeah.
0: Do you know if your wife has ever had an affair?
4: No, she hasn't. Right. As far as I know. And
0: what else would she say would fall into the not a saint category for you?
4: You know, I'm not sure because all this I feel like started before even the affair started. I I don't know that she would say that I'm not, not a saint. Maybe. But um, I guess I just describe myself that way. I mean, she, she. I guess I'm not sure what she would say the, the issue is. I mean, we kind of have this joke that she sees me as an ogre. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of a big guy. I'm six foot five, and and uh, um, you know, I, I can be. And you know, I've never lifted a hand to my wife or my kids. But I can be loud from time to time, especially if I feel like I'm not being heard. But I don't think I'm like running around the house screaming or anything. I'm just like making, just maybe raise my voice. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm not sure exactly what that is. What what is what what the what her wanting to represent me as an over or you know the the best thinking that I've had on it is that you know both of her parents then how old are your kids at the moment uh 20 18 16 and 14 <laughs> boy's been busy and does your wife work no she's never worked well uh, she worked a little bit as uh when we were just getting married but but nothing since we had kids
0: does she view your providing the money as equivalent to the value that she
4: provides um, I, 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 don't know how she would describe that, but I would say that I think she thinks that I probably do quite a bit more from the i I'm, I'm probably carrying more of a load than she is. Well, okay. You, let me,
0: let me ask you this. So when was the last time she thanked you for paying the bills?
4: Uh, it's maybe never. Right.
0: So let me, let me let you in on a little secret that I'm sure You know, and this is not true for all women, but it's true for some, and I've known some, which is, they get very upset. Like, let's say that the woman makes you a nice meal, and you don't thank her. And she's like, you know, I've worked, I've been slaving over a hot stove, I've gave you the meal that you want, and you can't even thank me. You don't appreciate what I do. You don't show your thanks for what I do. I keep the kids tidy and healthy and happy, and I keep the house clean, and I pay the bills, and you just never seem to show any appreciation for what it is that I do, right? And and you may have heard this, I don't know, once or twice over the course of 23 years or so. And I had a girlfriend once who said something like that. And uh, she said, you know, you're not doing half the dishes, you're not doing half the laundry. And I said, well, you're not paying half the bills. Kind of important. And I said to her, when I go to work 10 hours a day, that's 10 hours a day I'm contributing to this relationship, right? Because we were foolishly living together, which I don't recommend, but anyway. And I said, no. She says, well, I spend, you know, two hours a day on the house. It's like, well, I spend 10 hours a day paying the bills, so maybe you should up your game a little, because I'm doing five times the work that you're doing. And... I really, really demanded to be shown appreciation for paying the bills. And she, like it caused this massive short circuit in her entire world view. Like she, I mean, she couldn't say you're not paying the bills. She couldn't say, well, I'll pay half the bills. Cause I'm like, Hey, (laughs) I said, listen, if you want to start paying half the bills, fantastic. Then I'll have money to take us out for dinner to send her laundry out to get done, and we'll both be happier. So you just start paying half the bills. But that kind of caught her a little bit, right? (laughs) Because she didn't want to pay half the bills. She just wanted – but I said, I'm not doing half the housework. If I'm also paying the bills. Because you're spending two hours a day on the housework and, and all that, and laundry or whatever. You're spending two hours a day on that. I'm spending 10 hours a day working. And let's just pretend it's like seven days or whatever, 10 hours a day working. So together, we're doing 12 hours, of which you're doing two and I'm doing 10. Now, if you say, I have to do an extra hour at home, then guess what? I'm now doing 11 and you're doing one. How is that more equitable? That is more unfair. And it was really, really tough for her. (laughs) It was really quite interesting to watch the machinery short circuit and smoke and fall down in her mind right because this is just kind of like a scam, right, so if you're paying the bills, does she thank you and appreciate you for paying the bills? Does she say, man, you know you you got up early you you went off to work in the rain, you've been working all day, you're coming home' thank you. And then if she says that, then you say, man, you run a great house, you raise the kids well, you know, it's wonderful. I'm happy to pay the bills. Thank you for everything that you do, right? But there's this whole thing that's been taken out of society, which is, if, and of course, if the woman paying the bills, then thank her. But generally, it's the man. So the man, you can't ever, there's this weird thing where you don't thank the man for paying the bills. And because of that, the woman can feel hard done by when she's paid really well for everything she does.
4: You know, I, I I think she would say that she doesn't pull her fair share, but she doesn't really. I don't know. She it's like she doesn't see a problem with it. I mean, I I own several. Wait, doesn't businesses see a problem with with, with with not doing her fair share. I mean, I, I I own several businesses. We've had maids. We've had all kinds of different domestic help to, to help her. We've had a nanny for the kids at some point in time. Then. And I, I don't want to paint her as some evil person, but at the same time, she's, not, she's just not a very hard worker.
0: Wait, you have, you know? you have maids and a nanny for a stay-at-home w- wife?
4: Not, not currently, because I just kind of said I'm not doing this anymore. Um, but I have. But we've also had some kids that aren't super healthy, so it, it was certainly a challenge at times.
0: Okay, so if there are health issues, that could be very time and resource-consuming. That makes things a little bit better but i assume that hasn't been constant throughout the kids childhoods that's right so has there been any correlation to your kids are sick and so i need help or is it just yeah it'd be great maids and a nanny with a stay-at-home mom be fantastic
4: well i think the maid part has definitely uh been more the oh yeah that would be nice but the the nanny was more when the kids were sick
0: right and how long did you have maids for
4: in your 23 year marriage We've we've had it on and off. We've had someone that came just about every day up until uh, a couple of years ago. And we probably just said, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Wait, every day?
0: What do, you, what do you mean every day? How messy are you people? <laughs> what do you
4: mean every day?
0: <laughs> do you have like a food cannon that you outline the kids with in the dining room? I mean,
4: <laughs> what are you talking about? I know. About? I hear you, Steph. I mean, I even got to the point where I I took the maid to a couple of my facilities and had her clean those instead. So there wasn't every day. No, no,
0: every day. Okay, so the maid came every day?
4: And what did how long for?
0: Six, seven hours. Oh, come on. You're trolling me. What do you mean six or seven hours? What do you mean? The maid came to your house for six or seven hours
4: every day? That's what I'm telling you, Steph. For how long did this go on? A couple of years. A couple of years. <sighs> are you insane?
0: What are you doing? That's expensive as hell, isn't it?
4: It is expensive as hell.
0: Do you live in a small town that all needs to be cleaned from end to end? I mean, do you live in a 20,000 square foot mansion full of like... People playing paintball and and pygmies uh eating rodents off the floor, like, what the hell? How can you possibly i mean listen i I've been like the the bathrooms cleaning guy and and i mean how how on earth can you need that much cleaning?
4: You're preaching to the choir staff all right what, what did you, what did your wife say Does she like the company or or what And know she just felt like she was busy shuffling the kids to them from school or whatever, and I'm, it, 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 none of it ever quite makes sense to me. Oh, there's no, no school bus together. or anything? No, one of them even. I mean, it, the oldest one finally would take the younger two to school, and so she didn't have to take him to school in the morning, and it still was kind of an issue.
0: So she may may have been having an affair, but with the mate, right?
4: I have no idea. I, I don't know about that, but I think so. <laughs> How much did the maid cost? $30,000, $40,000 a year, something like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh.
0: Thirty dollars or $40,000 a year after-tax income, and it's probably higher than that. But anyway, let's just say, right? $40,000 a year of after-tax income, so you got to make sixty or $70,000 a year for a maid when your kids are in school and your wife has no job
4: right
0: i don't think the big issue is your affair my friend i don't think the big issue is your affair i mean you may have cheated on her vagina but she was having an affair on your wallet
4: (laughs) but the question now is what to do about it
0: no not yet because no not yet okay no Uh, not yet okay so you are the tyrant who pays all the bills and pays forty thousand dollars a year for a maid to sweep up after your slovenly wife. This makes you a tyrant.
4: I don't understand it. I literally don't know what else I can do to, to work harder. I mean, I'm I'm working, I'm I'm active in the community, I'm serving people left and right, taking care of a lady in an old folks home, you know, just everything. There's so many different things out there and I and it does not that's why that's why I'm calling. It doesn't make sense to me. Well it makes and sense to me just, if
0: you're treating your wife as a child for twenty three years. Well maybe I am. Well you are. You are. Which is why she's manipulative and childish, right? I guess. Well, tell me if I'm wrong, right? I mean, if she says, I I need to protect myself and I need to protect the children from you and so on. And I mean, unless you're raging through the house with a Sirius Sam-style flamethrower, I don't know what, I mean, right. unless you're not telling me something, you say you're not physically violent, never raised a hand in anger and so on.
4: No. Yeah, none of that.
0: Right. So who taught you to treat women like children, my friend? Who taught you to say, to, to not say, are you, are you fucking kidding me? You want a maid and you're a stay-at-home mom? <laughs> Come on, pull the other one. I'd like four wives. <laughs>
4: it's like, you no, know, not going to happen. Four wives would probably be cheaper. Right. Well, I who taught me? I, I mean, I'm going back and forth between my mom and my dad. They were divorced when I was young. I barely remember him being at home. Um, he's been divorced. I guess, uh, one more time since then, he's on wife number three. Was it Um, a bad divorce? I was so little, I don't know. I mean, and I've heard different things. I've heard he, he was the problem. That was kind of the story that went on forever. And then more recently he kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, your mom did something. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but just know that she did something I couldn't forget before. So who knows? I mean, I have not. Right.
0: Did your mom have a job?
4: She did. When uh, Once uh, once they broke up, she had a job. And then when she remarried, she was the secretary for my stepfather the whole time. So I'd say she worked 40 hours every week easily and took care of the house. My stepfather never never did any household work. She She did all of that.
0: Well, of course he didn't <laughs> because he's paying all the bills. I tell right. you what, I'll buy but, the house. You just keep it clean. That's a pretty good deal, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, you can't get a house on 30 grand. That's what the maid charged, or 40 grand. That's, you know, at least not a decent one.
4: Well, a year you probably could. An okay house, I suppose. We live in a house like that.
0: So what happens to your marriage if you try to treat your wife as an adult, which she is?
3: You know, and what I, you I do? Like, what you stopped.
0: do? Sorry, to interrupt. I just asked a question, but just so I, we're on the same page about what that looks like. You sit down and you say, "Okay, so here's the hours a week that I'm contributing to the family, working and 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 uh, parenting and uh, paying for maids or whatever." I know that's not going on, but whatever it is, here's here's the stuff that I'm doing. The hours that I'm contributing to the family, right? And then you hand the paper and the pencil over to her, and you say, "Okay, let's." Let's go through your contributions to the family, right? And i tell you what, for marriage to work, it's got to even out. It doesn't mean it's got to be down to the minute. I mean, it can be more or less, you know, kids ill, so she's spending more time with that, and then maybe you've got a big project at work, so you spend more, like, it doesn't have to be like two kids trying to split a candy bar with a laser and atomic weigh scale, but it's got to even out at some point, otherwise... You're a slave or she's a slave and it ain't going to work, right? So you sit down and say, okay, so I'm going to guess, right, given that you work, you commute, you've got a couple of businesses, you're probably cooking 50 to 60 hours min, minimum, contributing to the family a week, right? Is Easily. that a fair guess? Yes. All right. And what's she doing in terms of contributing to the family per week?
4: Uh, she's cooking poorly.
0: Um, cooking sorry what poorly um, wait what do you mean poorly it's not great <laughs> uh, what, what, what are we talking like sloppy scrambled eggs you know, or what What are we talking here
4: just just kind of kind of what you would expect in the first year of marriage you know someone that hadn't cooked very much you know burned here too salty there you know just just not a lot of lot of care and, and attention
0: so 23 years, has she been cooking for you guys for 23 years or did you also have an entire chef move in as well?
4: <laughs> no, she's been cooking the whole time. She's been cooking the whole time.
0: And she still sucks.
4: Oh, yeah. Right. W- w- what do the kids think of her cooking? They just kind and, and of
3: laugh.
4: Pre- and there's a lot of prepackaged stuff going on. And a lot of times she's encouraging, you know. Uh,
3: it's, She's it's,
0: encouraging what the prepackaged stuff, like frozen pizzas, oh, kind of yeah. thing.
4: Right, 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 right.
0: Huh. All right. So is she spending an hour a day cooking, two hours a day, again uh, cooking, cleaning, kind of thing?
4: Maybe an hour. You know, I've been encouraging her. We've got teenagers now to uh to to have our children take on more of those responsibilities because they're, they're going to need them soon enough anyway. And that's <laughs> that's also a change.
0: Well, the women won't if they it's find true. a man like Dad. <laughs> right. All right. So she's an hour a day cooking. Um, what about cleaning?
4: Um, I wouldn't say any. Maybe, maybe a couple hours a week.
0: So like half an hour a day. Maybe three and a half a week, or maybe, maybe. All right. So we'll be generous. Hour and a half. What about laundry and groceries and? Chores yep. and banking and bills and finances or anything like that?
4: Uh, so she, she does the, the laundry and the the, uh, the shopping. Um, I recently have, have asked her to take on the bills. It's been kind of an arduous process to get it done. Right right. She's get been, it done
0: well. You've been working 50 to 60 hours a week and you're handling the bills?
4: I was up until recently. Oh,
3: man. All
0: right. All right. So laundry, I mean, okay, so laundry is a big deal, right? Because basically you've got three teenagers. You might as well never turn the damn laundry off, right? Because it's pretty constant, right? Oh, did we lose you? Hello? I'm here. I'm oh, here. So, yeah, I'm is here. she doing yeah, a lot I'm of here. laundry or do the kids do it themselves or what? Uh, boys,
4: are, boys are supposed to do theirs themselves. So she's basically just doing hers and mine now.
0: Is it because the 14 year old is a girl?
4: Uh, no, she, no, 14 uh, year old does it too. But wait, why, why are the boys only doing their own laundry? Oh, she, uh, it's a 14 year old is a boy as well. Every, everybody's doing their own laundry.
0: Oh, so it's all boys?
4: Uh, one, one girl, but she's the oldest.
0: And she does her laundry? Yes. Oh, wait, does she do her own laundry? Yes. So your wife does the 14-year-old, does hers and yours and the 14-year-old's?
4: Oh, she does just hers and mine. The 14-year-old does his own.
0: Oh, ah, okay. Well, well it's a, I guess, kind of productive. So an hour a day for laundry?
4: Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I'm I. i I'm folding I and, you know, putting the, it away. I uh, a little whatever, apartment right? in a town where I've got a business. I'm sorry? Right, right. I mean, I... I mean, I do I do my own laundry, and I I have a little apartment in a in another town where I have a business, and I do my own stuff there. It did not take that long. I mean, just throw it in and out, and I mean, it's what like, it's it's not that big of a deal.
0: Well, you don't stare stare at it, right? You just in and go, right? Exactly. All right. So maybe a little bit less than an hour a day in laundry. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then maybe another hour, you know, on average, I don't know, miscellaneous and and groceries and stuff like that, right?
3: Right. Okay.
0: So I'm um, being generous. We're looking at three, three and a half hours a day.
4: And maybe another couple of hours a day getting kids to and from activities or school and that type of thing. Uh
0: okay, all right. Um so are we talking uh another hour a day? Um, there's less on the weekends, or maybe more, I
4: don't know. I think I think I think it's a little bit more um than an hour a day. I think it's it's probably an hour and a half to 2 hours a day. 2 hours a day driving the kids around? Wow. Well, yeah, doc, I mean, allergy shot, picking up kids from school, going to different activities, yeah.
0: All right, all right.
4: And does
0: she she kind of waits there too, right? Like if if they go into a sports event or something, right?
4: There's a lot of unproductive time,
0: yeah. But it's not really work, though, right? Right. Right. Okay. And and I don't know if driving is a huge amount of work, but all right. Okay. Okay. So it's so five five and a half hours a day, right? Right. All right. So um, five, five seven. So thirty eight point <laughs> five hours a week, right? Okay. So a little more than now the fifty to sixty hours. Does that co- include commuting? No. Right. Because if her driving counts, your driving counts, right?
4: Right.
0: Right. So what is your average work week hours, including work at home and and phone calls and emails or whatever it is? So we had 50 to 60 hours prior to driving. So include driving and outside time. What are we talking? 60
4: hours. Let's just say that.
0: 60 hours? Okay. So she's doing sure. 38.5. You're doing 60. Right. So that's not fair. Yeah. Now there's another thing too, which is that the labor—if—if if you like—if you had to replace her labor or your labor, that's kind of different, right? So there's a whole other calculation right. you need to do here, right? So right. the kind of work that she's doing—I mean, outside of the parenting and all of that—which I assume you're doing somewhat. on on equal terms but the kind of work that she's doing it's not very skilled right right so and you don't have to tell me down to the down to the nubbin but uh if you can give me a ballpark like you know six figures kind of uh, what's your what's your gross uh income for a year
4: um high six figures
0: all right high six figures so, I'm sorry, I have to be retarded about this. Does that mean close to 200,000 or close to a million?
4: It's probably closer to a million, sometimes more.
0: Okay. All right. So, you make, okay, now I'm starting to understand the 40K for the maid and all that, right? Okay. So, you're doing 60 hours a week, right? So, you take a couple of weeks off vacation a year.
4: Uh, usually a little bit more than that um, okay, so let's say you're working forty eight weeks a year, right right, I own my own business, so I'm never really on vacation, but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, okay, so we're gonna say nine hundred thousand divided by right, so you're making three hundred and twelve dollars an hour, give or take right, okay, okay, so three hundred and twelve dollars an hour, right now right. if you so that's your That's your value, three hundred and twelve dollars an hour, times sixty hours a week. So your net contribution financially to the household is eighteen thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars a week. Right? Uh huh. Now she's working. Uh, What do we have here? She was working. uh, See, sorry, I lost my. I lost one of my counts. Hang on, five point five. So she's working 38.5 hours a week. And let's be generous and say that what she does in terms of laundry and cooking and so on is 20 bucks an hour.
4: Right.
0: Right. So she's contributing $770 worth of economic value per week.
4: Okay.
0: Right. So let's look at the ratio here, right? So uh you are eighteen seven fifty, divide that by seven seventy. So you are producing twenty four point three five times the value per week that she is. Okay. Twenty four is this surprise you? No.
4: No. Because, Would it surprise I mean, her? <laughs> no, not at all. That's some pretty Profitable fucking
0: tyranny, my friend, for her. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So you're working almost twice as many hours, and you're producing 24, over 24 times the economic value. And she's never thanked you once.
4: Not that it hasn't been kind of you know hey honey you never thank me okay thank you no no i like she she doesn't appreciate it right right i mean she doesn't know people that work with me or for me and doesn't take much of an interest in that well okay so simple, sorry to interrupt if, you know, but this
0: is another thing that's interesting right so and this is the dynamic of male female economic relationships in a marriage right because it could be that she's really great, understands your business, gives you feedback, reviews stuff that you do, check this email, look at this quote, or whatever it is, right? And and helps you navigate and negotiate and is really interested in your business. In which case, man, she's contributing a lot. That's not right. directly profitable, but adds to your profit enormously, right? Right. Does but she? But you're saying she's not that interested in your business? Not at all. Right. Does she have any plans to grow up before she's dead?
4: You know, we we argue about it um, at least weekly, if not daily, and uh, about you know lack of accountability. You know, you mean if I her? bring something up, yeah. And if if I bring something up, she gets defensive and upset, and then I'll kind of point it out: Hey, you're not being accountable here; you're just being defensive. And then the, the and can you give me an example of that? It's piddly nothing, but it happened today that you know I, I have some drink containers that I use. I mix up a drink every day, and I I, uh, I, I try to rinse them out and and let them dry out so that I can uh, use it the next day. And and uh, she wasn't rinsing them out; she was just kind of leaving the residue in the thing and turning it over. And uh, wait, wait, and I
0: sorry, you've got these drink containers. Right. And she would, what, rinse them and not wash them?
4: She wouldn't even rinse them. She would just pour out the excess and turn it over and let it dry out. And, and, uh, and, and what's I, and in there? Kind of it It's just, uh, I'd water and some, some mix in, in the drink. And, and, uh, so it's, I'm sure there's some, it's not sugar, but it's, you know, something like that. Um, and, uh, um, and she just turned it over, and it, you know, it left a stain on the, the little towel that it was on. And I was like, "Hey, did you rinse this out?" And was like, no, and I and and started getting defensive about it. And, and I was like, "Hey, you know, this this is not okay." And and then it was just this big argument for like half an hour.
0: So let me tell you, man, I'm not gay, but if I were, and you and I were married, and you were bringing home almost nineteen thousand dollars a week while I was contributing a grand total of seven hundred and seventy dollars, I'd rinse your fucking container. I'd I'd wash it. Like you wouldn't have to right. think about it at
4: all. Right. Right. I understand. I, I know what you're saying. I got it. But. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Why did you marry her?
4: Um, you know, we dated through college a little bit and then uh, we broke up for a while. Her mom passed away and then. Probably six months after her mom passed away, she came back. And to be honest with you, she wasn't really like this before. I mean, she was somewhat productive. She had a, a job. Wasn't it was She kept her apartment clean always. I mean, it never really was a big issue. I mean, she was never a great cook. She just didn't have that much interest in it. So that wasn't, you know, like the end of the world or anything. No, but, but
0: she doesn't really have much of a choice to get interested in it. Like, if you're cooking for people, right? learn how that. to fucking cook. Right? Right. I mean, my wife, I mean, she's not, she's not a clean freak, but man, she's tidy. And she's a good cleaner. And so when I started doing the bathrooms, she's like, here's how you do it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> show me right. how you do it and I'll do it because – you're better at this than I am. Cause she grew up, you know, old, old school family. And, and, uh, you know, I grew up in this, all this crazy chaos and all that. So I'm like, yeah, you tell me how to do it, man. I'm, I'm happy to do it. You know, I, if, if we've got to snap fold the bed sheets, okay, we'll snap fold the bedsheets, you know, like if, if shit needs to be ironed, let's iron it, you know, like, and so I'm not going to sit there and say, well, this is just the way I do it. And it's like, that's crap, right? I mean, she knows better and, and, so on then that's what what should happen
4: and it isn't even so much this is just the way that i do it it's just oh i messed up again you know that that, it's more that you know
0: right right and if you of course say it's been 23 years do you feel like pulling out a cookbook from time to time
4: i'm just going to be inviting a fight right
0: Right. What are you teaching your kids with this?
4: Well, I'm not sure exactly what you mean. Um,
0: What are you teaching your sons about masculinity and manhood? Authority.
4: Well, when it comes to. I guess I'm I'm at a loss in terms of what what to do with her because I I haven't haven't come up with any any way of talking to her, not talking to her, going to class, going to training, get, doing anything with her that that's made any impact. And I tried a lot, um, but it it hasn't had any effect. Well, no, and of I course not, whether... because
0: you're trying right. to do something for someone, and the whole point is to stop doing something for someone. Okay.
4: And so, because she's like therapy. now a
0: project, you're an energetic, intelligent right. guy, right? You make a million dollars a year. So, you, she's a problem for you to apply your considerable entrepreneurial energies and intellect to solve, to fix, right? But it doesn't work, right? Because it makes her passive.
3: Right. Okay. You understand? Yeah.
0: It's sort of like if you have some employee who's not doing a job, a good job, and you just keep shouldering that employee aside and doing it for them. What are you teaching them?
4: That they don't have to do a good job. Yeah. So
0: I'm a big believer in natural consequences.
4: I I am too. I, that's that's how I work. You life. are in every era- at work and even with my kids, I am. But not it's, with your wife. But, well, I, don't, I guess it's just been complicated. You know, we had two kids that were very sick and, you know, things just, it was like we were barely holding on for a while. And then, I don't know, maybe she's just never recovered from it. I don't know.
0: From, from the kids
4: being sick? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of our kids was in a coma for three months after a brain hemorrhage. and Other was born with difficulties, and it was just—it was a really challenging time.
0: And did you then stop being good at your job because of that?
4: Now, to be honest with you, Stefan, I—I I worked for another four or five years, and then I just said, you know what, I'm going to retire from mobile, and and uh, you know, it didn't it didn't do as well without me, so I went back to work, you know, after about four or five years. Right.
0: I don't see any direct causal line, my friend, between having an ill child and being a bad cook for 23 years. I agree. I mean, I appreciate that you're bringing it up and I, you know, master sympathies to you both. But it's still not causal. Like you could say, wow, my child almost died or my child was really sick for a long time. I'm going to make sure that child has wonderful meals for the rest of the time that he's at home. Right. right. Like there's nothing causal in that kind of disaster that results in this kind of behavior.
4: Right. I'm, I I don't think that I'm saying that it causes the behavior. I guess what I'm saying is is that I have some sympathy for for the challenge that she went through that, during that period of time. I mean, I know it was tough for me, and, and it had to be tough for her. Well I'm and sure she
0: does. She have the same the same sympathy for you.
4: No, I don't think so. Not Why? in that way. Why not? I think it was she was wrapped up in her own pain with it all.
3: Hmm.
0: What was it about? I mean, I asked this one way, I'll ask it another, cause I'm not sure of the answer. What was it about her that made you want to marry her?
4: Um, I liked her family. We have spent a lot of time with her extended family before we got married and, and uh, felt like we had really common pasts. We, we obviously went to the same school. There's a lot of things that were similar to us. We grew up 60 miles apart from each other. And so, you know, I, I think I get that, um, I liked her. I was attracted to her.
0: Um, of course, was, but what were you attracted? You know. And please don't give me any more geographical proximity stuff because I bet you there were tens of thousands of women who lived within 60 miles of where you were. That's not well, much of a
4: right? So, just, so what was meant it meant that you we were attracted to val- about her? I meant, I meant that we had similar values. We, we both. But you don't have similar
0: values. That's my point. You're hardworking. You're responsible. <laughs> right. You're an adult. <laughs> so what was it yeah. in particular that you found very attractive about her?
4: She was thin, she was, uh, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't, uh, maybe I I wasn't out there playing the field that much and she was just, she was, she was there always. I don't know.
0: Was she pretty?
4: Okay. She wasn't 10, she was a seven and a half, seven, eight, something like that.
0: And did your family at all have any concern about uh, you marrying her?
4: They love her. But to this day, they love her.
0: And do you, have you talked with them about any of your frustrations?
4: Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not really that close with my dad. And my mom is, that's it's, its own story in itself. So no, I guess not.
0: Because I know when people call in here, it's usually because either they think I have wonderful things to say or B, they just don't have anyone to talk to, right? to put it that way, right? Maybe it's a <laughs> combo. But I'm like the last port of call, right? In that right. if you were getting good advice and sympathy and empathy and so on, it may not be that you wouldn't call, but you'd be less likely to call, right? Right. 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 So- I mean,
4: we've been to, we've been to a lot of therapy. I mean- few months ago in therapy she said you know she's always kind of locked me on the outside of our family and kind of described it as she was in the castle with the kids and I'm on the outside never let in that type of thing
0: what I don't quite understand that what do you mean
4: just that she she kind of kept me at arm's length kind of uh uh, I guess in a way it kind of goes back to that ogre thing you know he's He's dangerous, so we gotta we gotta keep him out there instead of in here.
0: See, that's the kind of insight she, that makes me have gen- huge contempt for therapy. The fuck yeah. does that even mean? How does that help? What is like? What does that move forward? How does that make anything better? I mean, like, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I know that's just I a could, little time I, slice, a little photo of think, therapy, but it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> I couldn't agree with mean? you more about therapy. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. <sighs> I have not had any good luck with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all about these insights and revelations and so on. None of this practical shit of like, hey, man, I'm contributing 23 times more value than you are. And let's find a way to equalize that. And it doesn't mean you have to go out and get a job making a million bucks a year, but at least rinse my fucking containers. Right. Yeah. At least least take some of the million dollars that I make and spend it on a fucking
4: cooking class.
3: Right.
0: Right. What's going to happen in a couple of years when your kids are gone?
4: I don't think it's going to get worse. I, I have some hope that it would get better because I think she does spend way too much energy on the kids, although she can probably do that when with them gone just as well as in there. Um, it's been kind of a, a source of contention between us lately is that she she just does way too much for them, that they they need to learn how to be adults.
0: And what is she doing for them that you think is
4: wrong? Um, uh, like uh, getting a Pepto-Bismol for my 20-year-old daughter the other day when she was perfectly capable of doing it herself and uh, arranging pills for kids so, uh even even some of the transportation stuff i mean they can they can they can sort some of that stuff out um uh goodness it's uh schoolwork sometimes even it's it's mm. uh you know
0: well it's hard to not it's hard to not treat children as children if you're still a child yourself right i guess i mean do they do your kids have jobs
4: uh, my, uh, my 18 year old does. He's got a, he's actually working for me and he's done a great job. My 16 year old's part-time in another one of my businesses and sort of okay. My 20 year old, she, she's got some challenges and she does have a job. She's got a part-time job. Not for me.
0: And so, I mean, they could Uber or cab or whatever it is for themselves, right?
4: Right. And there's a lot of that too. Yeah. Oh. Like my oldest doesn't drive. So she Ubers a lot.
0: And you don't have to answer anything, and I'm just curious about this. I mean, are you guys – because, I mean, I have to ask this because a lot of marriages don't. Are you guys still having sex?
4: Yeah. Yeah, we are. And uh, I think that that's probably the only thing that kind of therapy and those types of things have helped with lately is that she's been more available now than she was earlier in our marriage. It was a real problem early in the marriage, which I think really kind of led to the affair.
0: Ah, you were kind of cut off.
4: Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say completely cut off, but it was just not nearly what I would have thought a new marriage would be. You know, she was content with you know a couple three times a month, and I'm thinking, hey, we're new. what's what's going on here. You
0: know? Wait, I thought didn't you have the affair like nine years ago?
4: No, nine years into the marriage, so it would have been fifteen years ago. Oh, sorry. Okay, so but that's not a new marriage. Right, but it didn't it didn't improve during any of that period of time. Oh right? you
0: mean so after you got married you're lucky to get it once a week, right? Right. Does she know men at all? I mean, does she have any idea how men function and what we get out of it for. (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, does she, does she not understand? I mean, particularly, I mean, you've got to be a pretty aggressive. I don't mean that in a negative way, but you know, running businesses, you're a boss, you're high testosterone, alpha kind of guy making a million bucks a year.
4: eh, You got some needs, right? Yeah. But yeah, exactly. And I think, you know honestly it's 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 not even so much the the sex as much as it's the admiration right i actually told her that recently that i i never have thought that she has admired me since we got married not once wow
0: wow so she withholds admiration as a form of leveling up see well, she wants to the, feel equal yeah. but rather than up her game She refuses to admire your contributions. Bullseye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not good. And listen, I mean, this is for the women who are out there. If you withhold sex from your man, you're setting a fire under your house. It's just a reality. It's just a reality. And I don't know how to explain this to women. But... It is a fundamental betrayal of the marriage vows to not have much, if any, sex. To me, it is an affair with celibacy that leads to an affair with another woman. I mean, would she consider your contribution financially to be foundational to the marriage? No. I think she would if it wasn't happening. (laughs) like if you said if you said okay listen man it's been a it's been a good long run with me paying all the bills but we're going 50-50 from here you know kids are getting older and uh you know you you got to start kicking in you know so you got to get yourself 9000 bucks a week uh just to match my 18750 that i'm providing so you got to figure out how to get yourself a cozy 9 grand a week it's only Four hundred and fifty to $500,000 a year that you have to start kicking in to match what I've been doing. I'm not going to backcharge you for all the other stuff because you know you did your 20 bucks an hour worth of work here. And if you were to say, you've got to start kicking, like for us to maintain our lifestyle, I'm going to cut down by half and you've got to kick in the remainder. So you've got to get 450 to 500 bones, uh, 500,000 a year going. What would she say?
4: Well, I I don't know. It's probably relevant, but, uh, you know, both her parents passed when she was young and she got a, a decent sized inheritance that was kind of like an annuity that has grown a little bit. So I don't think she would bat an eye. She'd just say, fine, I'll I'll use that.
0: Wait, she can kick in half a million a year? Not that much.
4: No, I mean, 150, 200,000.
0: Oh, no, that's not enough. That's not kicking in half. <laughs> so now she only has to do 300,000 a year. Right. Right? So she's got to go and start kicking in 300000 a
4: year, right? And what would she say? Uh, she she wouldn't. Uh, and, and no, I guess if it was even, I mean, she'd have to kick in 800000 a year because… No, it, no. Let's just say, say you, you you
0: just said you got to pay half. The, I'm going to cut back. You pay half. The, I'm not saying she uh, got to do the oh, mill. I see. I, see. I see. I'm trying to be as nice as possible yeah, in yeah. this so nobody can accuse me of tilting <laughs> the, the, the field, right? Right. So so if, no, but if this is an important thing, and I, I'm saying this to you because women don't seem to understand this. Uh, some women do, but, but a lot of women don't, which is that if you go to your wife and say, you got to start kicking in $300,000 a year to this relationship, and she'd be like, no, no, you've been paying, and that's what I expect, and that's got to continue, right? Now, when a woman gets married and has less sex with you, it's the same fucking deal. If you're having a lot of sex before you get married, and then you get married, and she cuts it way back, that's like you cutting way back on your spending. She'd be like, I don't accept that. This is what I'm used to. And so if a woman then cuts back on sex after marriage, you can say, I don't accept that. That's not what I'm used to. And then to her people get all yep, kinds of cynical credit. and say, "Oh, so you're saying the man is paying for sex?" It's like, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> it's not outside the bounds of the equation. Well,
4: to her credit, she didn't. Uh, we weren't really that sexual before we got married either, so it didn't really go down. So,
0: wait, did you know you were going to make a million bucks a year, and you're going with a fairly asexual seven?
4: No, I just thought that she had some hang-up about marriage and that she wasn't willing to, to be that into I mean, we, it wasn't like we never did, but it just th- thought that she was wanting that commitment before she would really fully commit herself to it,
0: you know? Oh, you thought you'd get more sex after marriage?
4: Well, that's kind of how, she, how it was portrayed to me. So oh, she just, sold it oh, to oh, you
0: like... Oh, yeah, because women will do this too, right? The women will do this too, where they'll say, well, you know... Man, if, if you help around the household, like if, if, if you do some laundry, if you do some dishes, I'm going to, my head's going to be clear. I'm going to be less stressed, less worried. We'll have more sex. Right. Right. And so basically you have to do housework for sex. That's the trade. (laughs) And that's, that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. And so, um, I assume it's better now than a couple of times a month.
4: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. And, and, and to be honest with you, she, she probably initiates it more because I'm so frustrated. I'm just like this way. I know she's going to initiate it at least a couple times a week, maybe more.
0: Good. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. Because for, for, for men, you know, if, if you keep approaching your girlfriend or, or your wife and you keep getting to know, you know, it burns, right? right it right runs. you become kind of avoidant and resentful and then what happens is some other woman finds you a hot tasty piece of beef jerky and it like it goes to your head right what well, goes to your head right? That's easy.
4: <laughs> yeah uh, metaphorically yeah. and then exactly. women are
0: like i can't believe you it's like well it's not good that i did but it's a symptom of something and it's not just me
4: and and at least for me, it wasn't even as much about the sex as it was about the admiration. It was just like getting, getting a drink of water in the desert,
0: you know? Yeah. Certainly, if you've been starved for positive approval from your woman, oh, it's a red carpet to hell, right? You know it's hot, but you're going anyway. Right. Right. Hmm. And you've of course expressed to her that you want more admiration, and has she taken that in, or has she provided any back? Or
4: well, it was kind of a, a realization from mine recently that I I did never feel admired by her, and she was like, "Oh wow, I can't believe you've never felt admired," but it didn't they didn't change anything.
0: Ah, see, now that's a warning sign right there, because you no not not just that it didn't change, but that. You felt something for 23 years or more, and she has no idea. Ah, uh, yeah. I had no idea you didn't feel admired. Really? <laughs> really? So let me ask you this Does she like to be admired? In other words, if she dresses up, puts on a great dress, makeup, gets her hair done, and she comes down the staircase, does she like you to say, Wow, you look great?
4: I think that's why she would say that I'm an ogre, because I don't give her enough words of affirm. you know they'll have love languages nonsense and uh you don't give her enough all, words of what affirmation well it's and not affirmation
0: so, i mean does she look good when she does herself up and comes down the stairs
4: well she she can but what i've always said is give me something to admire you for i mean you 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 don't cook you don't claim you don't. i mean <laughs> Everything's kind of a mess. I mean, I, I'd love to to give you appreciation, but you know, give me something to tell you you're great at. Right. But vagina. <laughs> right. Right.
0: You're human doing. I'm human being. You have to do stuff to be oh. admired. Me, I just have to breathe. Hmm. Mm. And marriage is a complex thing and you get kids out of it and and the life and another family and all of that. Are you, are you happy you got married as a
4: whole? I love my kids, you know, and, and to some extent I'd say I love my wife And, and I, I don't know if it's love exactly, but I mean, I, I care, care for her. I, I mean, certainly would take care of her if anything happened and, and would do it happily and, no. Deeply love my kids. I'd I'd be sad if I didn't have them.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Let's go out on a limb and let's assume, for the sake of argument, she's not gonna change. Right. She doesn't have to be you. Women by male standards are delightfully mental. men by women's standards are delightfully mental we compliment each other if we accept what the french say well now the French say allah akbar but when the french used to say things like vive la difference right celebrate the uh-huh. difference between men and women so she's a pretty good mom right
4: okay okay i mean she 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 does the stuff that needs to get done i wouldn't say that she's She's setting them up for success in adulthood, well. But she was great when they were young.
0: Yeah, but that's your job to set. I mean, moms don't get kids ready for adulthood. That's the dad's job. Moms keep them alive when they're knee high to a grasshopper, and then dads get them ready for adulthood. That's why. That's why. I mean, that's like that. That's gonna be your gig. Sorry, man. That you know that, Right. right?
4: Well, I've got it and, and I'm doing it. Good, I good. wish I had more support in that area.
0: So. Yeah. Listen, I mean, when your kid's in a coma, I mean, so again, so sorry. And your kids are sick, you know, I'm sure she was pretty good with that stuff, right?
4: Yeah. I mean, yeah, she was She was pregnant during some of that. So I was the one at the hospital, but yeah.
0: And she's, yeah, she, you know, moms are better with little kids and dads are better with older kids. That's the yin and the yang that we need, and and that's a wonderful and delightful thing. So, expecting her to be great at preparing the kids for adulthood is unrealistic, I think. Okay. Okay. And so, if she's not going to change, because listen, a a lot of times unhappiness in a relationship is simply not accepting that the other person's not going to change, because then you're just kind of restless, and it's like, oh, I want this to change. I want her to be different. It's like, dude, she's not going to learn how to cook.
4: It's not going to happen. Right.
0: Right. She's not going to be a great homemaker. And she's not going to be great at preparing your kids for adulthood, right? Right. Now, if in your marriage, look, and I know this is one-sided. I'm sure she has her complaints, and I I get all of that. But, you know, she's not here, so we'll just have to talk with all of this, right? But what if you said, I don't need her to change at all? I'm okay with her not changing a thing because she's not going to change. Now, if some of your discontent is, I wanted to do this, I wanted to do that, I wanted to appreciate me, I wanted to contribute more, I wanted to be a better cook, I wanted to help prepare the kids more for adult. I want this, I want that, right? That creates a lot of frustration and annoyance that if you just accept your partner, it's not there. To be discontented with your partner can be its own self-feeding problem
3: if she's good enough the way she
0: is how much tension does that reduce from your marriage
4: I just don't know if I can do it or not. Maybe I can. I I guess if she's good enough the way she is, would it reduce, and I just kind of laughed off the, the nonsense that goes on, then it probably would be a lot better.
0: Now, when I say good enough the way she is, I don't mean is she the best possible wife ever. I'm not talking about that. But what I mean is she's been good enough to have four kids with and stay with for almost a quarter century, right? Right. So what if you take the pressure and expectation of change off the relationship? I'm not saying, you know, that that means lower all standards and don't care about anything. I'm just try it as an experiment where you say, what if I just don't need her to change at all? Or, or a better way to put it is, what if I accept that she's not going to change? Then I'm not chafing at constantly wanting something to be different because that's kind of torture, right?
4: Yes. Yes, it is.
0: I'm sure I you've had employees like this, right? The, the employees who are like, right. man, it'd be great if they just understood this about the business, and they never do.
4: Right. It'd
0: be great if he, this person then, was good at handling difficult clients, but they never are. But,
4: then you, but you just got to find a place for them that they can be good at, and that's that. you know. Yeah. But how do you do that with your wife?
0: Well, what you do is you try to find out what the marriage is like without you being dissatisfied. And there's See, there's dissatisfaction that comes out of things you can change. and And that dissatisfaction is a motive for changing things, right? So in your business, if something's not working right, you're the boss, you can change it, right? And that's the foundation, I assume, of the success that you've had in business, which is considerable, right? Sure. But your wife is not your business. You have no fundamental control or authority in that relationship relative to what you have at work right that's correct and so what if what what's the relationship like if you don't at all expect her to change you accept who she is
4: maybe it's better for her, I, I mean, I'm sure it would be better for her because I wouldn't be frustrated with her very often. So. Wait,
0: are you saying that reducing frustration won't be better for you?
4: Well, no, I don't. I, maybe it will be better for me. Um, I'm just, I just, I, I mean, I can't believe some of the stuff that happens sometimes. I mean, the,
0: what do you mean you can't silly, believe? You've been married for
3: 23 well, years.
0: What do you mean you can't believe it? Is it new? <laughs> Is it unexpected? Is it unforeseen? Has it never happened before? Are you that resolutely okay. anti-empirical that you're going to be surprised by the sun coming up tomorrow and your wife making you a bad omelet? Uh, okay. This you. is the ogre part of you, man.
4: Right. Right. That's what she would say. That's for sure. No, listen.
0: I'm, I'm not saying that I sympathize, but I understand. Right. She's not going to change. And this constant chafing at wanting her to change, I mean it's going to bust up your marriage in the long run i'm I'm sure of that, and i you know you're not abusive to each other, you're having sex, you love your kids, she's a pretty good mom. you know what I mean like it's, it's not like you're right. it's not like you're in hell here, it's better than limbo, it's better than hell, it's not heaven, but it's not terrible, and if you're going to stay. Stay without expectation of change, because the change isn't going to happen. You're worse at predicting your wife's behavior than she is at cooking a meal. The incompetence here is in your fantasy of change rather than her reality of stasis. You're like, (laughs) to take an extreme example, you're, you're trying to close a deal with somebody who's already in a coffin. No, one more PowerPoint, man. Let me explain the value proposition one more time. It's like, he's dead, Jim. He's dead. (laughs) Or like the surgeon who, you know, that cheesy, like the surgeon is like, I'm calling time of death. I'm calling it. No. Like clear Like he's gone, you know, like, and I'm not trying to say your marriage is dead. But what I'm saying is that I need you to kill or I think you'll be happier if you kill your expectation of change when none is forthcoming has your expectation and requirement or if not demand for change has it ever produced the change that you want in your marriage
4: not not materially no
0: so 23 years what you're doing has not gotten you what you wanted what do you think's going to happen at 23.1 years right she's dug in man right. And listen, there may be change, but it sure as hell isn't going to come from anything you've done in the past. It can't be anything – like, if there is change, it can't be anything to do with anything you've done in the past. Okay. It has to be something completely different. Because, you know, the old thing, if you keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, you're crazy, right? Right. You would be amazed at how many people – will change when you remove the requirement for them to change because right it's now true for the, me. yeah right now the pressure for change is coming from outside herself and she's annoyed at it therefore she's digging in and won't change whereas if you you want to give her ownership of her own personality her own choices her own life which means you've got to stop being an external Pressure for change because then she's not reacting to life. She's not reacting to her kids making faces at her cooking. She's not reacting at anything negative that might be occurring in her life. She's only in forever reacting to you. And she won't change because you want her to change. And that would be to surrender to something she doesn't want to do. That would be to give in, to retreat, to fail. So the way that we give people independence is we stop applying pressure to them. Okay. And if you stop trying that. to change her, that is the biggest change that you can affect. And I don't know if you've ever had this. man It's a funny situation. You ever have this where you, you reach out to shake someone's hand and they just won't shake your hand? Sure. And, and, you know, your hand just stands out there like a dead fish flapping in the breeze, right? And you're like, well, okay. See, because they've done something different, you have to change what you're doing. You can't mime like you pretend to shake their – I mean, it would be crazy, right? So -hmm. because they're doing something different, you have to do something different. And so if you stop trying to get your wife to change, that's a huge change in and of itself. Who knows what's going to come out of that? But certainly applying pressure and being dissatisfied and frustrated and unhappy and negative, to I mean, that's not working and it hasn't worked for a quarter century, right? Right. So you got to try something new. And removing that pressure and removing that expectation and removing that negative judgment. You know, you say, well, she has negative, she's never really praised me, she's never really admired me, but you've been 23 years frustrated with who she is. That's two-way, right?
3: Fair
0: enough. I mean, if yeah, someone I, came I, to you and someone came to you in business and say, "I've been running the same ads for twenty three years and I'm never getting any customers." What would you say?
4: You just stop those ads,
0: <laughs> change your ads, man, <laughs> or whatever you do, yeah. don't run any more ads. And if they say, "Well, it's been twenty three years, my ads have generated no customers," but I'm pretty sure twenty three <laughs> years and three minutes is going to turn it all around.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back to the beginning of the call, and, and you're waiting it all up. And that's, that's been the thing that I've been telling myself this whole time in a marriage. And so I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to set that all down. Right. I'll tell you this. There is nothing that I would change
0: about my wife. Now, does that mean I agree with everything she does? Not always. But there is nothing that I would change about my wife. Not one thing. I'm not saying this like bragging. I mean, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. She's, well, okay, she's perfect. But most people aren't perfect. (laughs) But there's nothing. And what is it like having a marriage where you wouldn't change a thing? Well, that's a realistic view of marriage because you can't change a thing. You're already married. Right? You don't buy a Ferrari, bring it home, and try and turn it into a boat, right? Right. You already bought the wife and you've had kids with her and, Right. So now saying she's still – got to fundamentally change a woman I've been with for a quarter century and had four kids with. It's like, it's a little late. Right. <laughs> it's out of the showroom. Right. It's in the garage. And I think that's your greatest chance for success in the marriage. I think I think it will produce change because you're changing a fundamental variable that's been constant for 23 years. And it's going to change something in the marriage, I think, for the better. You might find that as you appreciate her more, she's going to turn around and appreciate you more. You might find that as you stop pressuring her to change or be dissatisfied with who she is, she might be more able to appreciate who you are. Because your negative judgment of her has worn her down as well, right? Now, I understand it would be better if she'd learned to cook and not needed a maid <laughs> for all these years. But anyway, that's you know water under the bridge. But um, if what I'm trying to say is, if you're going to be with someone, accept who they are. Now, if you don't want to be with someone then don't be with that person. But don't be with someone and be judgy and negative all the time. Don't right. be with someone and reject them at the same time. That's kind of cruel. So if you're going to be with her, accept her for who she is. I can, yeah. Okay, I've talked a lot. So, and I'm sorry, because I've talked over you a few times, which is rude. But but go ahead with what you thought.
4: No, you're fine. I I think that actually gives me uh, some leverage in this to 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 not not try to change her and not... Uh, and 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 not to be cruel to her by by asking her to be something that she's not, you know. And I can wish that she was something different. I can wish that, but I mean, even though things have been out of balance, there's there's been a lot of of positives. Maybe it just didn't have a dream that it would be, you know.
0: Yeah, and listen, if I tell you to accept her without understanding where you're coming from, you won't listen to me. Which is why I go through the exercise of saying, yeah, things are kind of unequal, at least in terms of financial value. I accept that that's kind of unequal, but that's what you've accepted. And changing the deal a quarter century into it is pretty tough. And the best way to change the deal is to stop trying to change the deal. The best way to get change is to stop trying to make change. And it is, you know, it's a funny thing too. I don't know if you feel this with your kids. There's nothing I'd change about my daughter. Now, there are things that are occasionally frustrating or things that, you know, can be annoying, but I'm sure she'd say the same thing with me. I know she would, but there's nothing I'd change fundamentally. Because anything that I would change to reduce even the occasional frictions would probably get rid of something great too, right? Right. Like parents say this, oh, I wish my child was more outgoing. It's like, okay, so if you have a child who's more outgoing, what are you willing to sacrifice, right? Because if they're outgoing, there's going to be some other part of their personality that is less or maybe the opposite way. And we always think that we can just make all the positives and have none of the negatives right and whatever is the case with your wife man she's hung it out for a quarter century and there are a lot of marriages that don't last that long at all you know she she hung it out when you had an affair man lots of women would hang you out to dry drag you through the court system and take half your shit for the until the end of time right right she didn't do that right. that's something to be relieved about isn't it <laughs> Because that could have been a shitstorm, storm, right? With kids
4: young and all, right? Yeah, it could have been. It could have been. Well, I appreciate it very much, Stefan. It's, uh, it's been uh, enlightening and uh, gives me a lot to think about and a lot to chew on in terms of how I want to be different.
0: Great. Well, will you let me know how it goes? I will. Good. And listen, I really, really appreciate the call. You know, it's tough to talk about this stuff publicly, but uh, it, was, it was great. And I, I'm sure a lot of people will benefit from the conversation, too. So thanks for that. Absolutely. Thanks again. All right, man. Take care. Bye-bye. So weird to think that during this call, he could have made $700.
1: Anyway, all right. All right, up next, we have Beth. Beth wrote in and said, I'm a 28-year-old woman and started listening to Freedom Aid Radio last year, and since then, my life has completely changed. I went from being a single woman with a serious case of hypergamy and risking a cat lady life to being in a relationship with a loving, kind, devoted man with a deep integrity who I would have never given a chance in the past. We're already talking about marriage and are so excited to start a family and teach our children to become strong men and women of reason and virtue. Because I'm about to hit the wall, I know I'll be losing my sexual market value and therefore my power, which frankly makes me a little anxious. How do I age well as a woman in practical terms? Is there a way to replace my sexual power so I can do good as I get older instead of just fading into an invisible middle-aged woman? Or is it a virtue to accept losing this power? That's from Beth. Hey Beth, how you doing?
5: Hey Steph, good. Kinda kinda nervous. <laughs> that's
0: that's all right. That's all right. Well, congratulations, um Thank on you. the dude. Why would you say you would never have given him a chance in the past? Is he not chattling McAbs or something like that?
5: <laughs> oh man, I think is gonna rip me apart uh, in the comments. Um no, so, don't worry, yeah, they he's... they
0: rip cat videos apart in the comments, but go on. <laughs>
5: <laughs> true so sad um yeah i well yeah he's not um you know lots of abs and big guy like before i met him i was dating a guy who was like you know six foot and like massive and all this stuff and it didn't work out because basically this guy really didn't have any birth. He was a bit too young he wasn't ready to get married um well then steroids and, kill donors. Um, anyway go on <laughs> yeah that's <too. laughs> it was lovely we had fun but yeah it wasn't going anywhere um so i decided to cut that off pretty quickly um so I met my my current partner, and he's he's a little I guess he's a little socially awkward sometimes. He's a bit eccentric. Um, he's quite a, quite a high IQ, so I think he spends a lot of his time in books and um, you know just enjoying his own mind essentially. So um, yeah, I I don't think I would have given him a chance in the past because you know he didn't have that I guess that high status um, of being very socially successful. But um, a friend of mine, a male friend of mine, pointed me in his direction after this kind of breakup, where I'm like, holy crap, I have. So I, I don't have much longer to get my shit together and get married. Um, you know, I was feeling, I guess, maybe like a little bit desperate, but not so desperate to lower my standards that I would approach anyone that didn't have any virtue, essentially. Um, so, yeah, and then I, you know, I went up, I took a chance, I sort of introduced myself and, um, yeah, we hit it off from there. He's, yeah, just been such a wonderful support. Like, it's been a really hard year because my dad died um, back in, um, sorry, back in January. So,
0: Oh, just January it's been really of
5: this cool, year? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so and, um, sorry to
0: hear that. Was it Was it sudden?
5: Yeah. Yeah, it was very sudden. He had, um, I was sorry, gosh, quite no, emotional. It's fine. It's fine. Good like, Lord. I good. mean, this is
0: a wonderful tribute to your father. Yeah. Good heavens. I hope people weep about me when I die. So, yeah, it's fine. Go ahead.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I'm just so used to telling people about it. Um, so dad died of a schismic heart attack, um, uh, when he was driving home from his property in the bush. Um,. <laughs> So he pulled over to the side of the road and um, would have died in about, you know, half an hour or so. Um, he was quite morbidly obese for uh, a lot of his life. So of course that, you know, didn't help. And that was the official cause of death. Um, and my, my mum had passed away just back, uh, back in April last year as well. Oh so gosh. it's been a bit of a train wreck of a year. Was she
0: overweight as well?
5: Um, no, well, not massively. Like she's a little bit plump, but she had a, um, she had a stroke and she, uh, she was a very, she'd had polio when she was quite young um, and had survived, it, you know, miraculously, but she also had been very mentally ill her whole life. Um, you know, she'd attempted suicide when she was about 18 and she'd uh, run around with like a lot of men. She had a little, a little baby who died a cot death. And I think she just, I think she self-medicated a lot. She just,
0: With what? what she, did she do? would
5: work not uh, she was a mental health nurse, ironically. No, but
0: <laughs> what did she self-medicate
5: with? Oh, um, I think she took um, a fair bit of Valium. Um, and, like, it was always kind of a bit of a pillbox in her, you know, in her drawer. Um, so nothing nothing illegal, but um, she always knew how to kind of get, you know, antidepressants and that sort of thing. And she, I think she had tried to kill herself with um, antidepressants as well. <laughs> um when she was quite young so yeah so um her death kind of was a a bit of a relief in the end for for us
0: um, well, was she was she suffering for a long time or
5: yeah she was so she she had a narcissistic personality disorder um and she i i suspect she must have been selected or something so she had a lot of a lot of different relationships with a lot of men she you know i have a older half sister and an older half brother who um Uh, uh, to two different men from each other and from me. Um, And then my younger brother as well. And she, you know, um, she just, yeah, I think she, there was a lot of hurt there. Um, And then of course, she hurt others because she was hurt. Like she was quite neglectful of all of her children. Um, And she was particularly like destructive towards my older sister. Um, How so? So uh, um, she... Just really, just playing games. A lot of guilt, um, a lot of neglect. She, she like all of us have been dragged through the family court by her. So my older sister, when she was probably about ten, her father, who's probably also narcissistic, <laughs> um, he basically wanted her to go to a private school um, or some. There was something. It's very unclear what had happened, and you know, obviously, I don't have anyone left really to ask, and my sister isn't sure what happened. <laughs> That um, there was some argument, and they went through the family court for about three years. Um, and my sister just kind of got, I think, torn apart between her, like my mother and her father. And like ever since then, she's been quite, I guess, mentally or emotionally unstable herself. Very neurotic. She's a feminist, <laughs> you know, all of those sorts of things. Um, and she's really. Well, she became yeah, really a feminist sort of after
0: being torn apart by a family court designed by feminists. That's kind of a Stockholm right. Syndrome bonding there.
5: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, you know, but she, funnily enough, she was the first of us to have a concept of um, kind of vol- having a voluntary relationship with her family, which I, I never understood when I was younger. I'm like, why is she being such a bitch? You know, <laughs> why won't she just come along and, you know, be friendly with all of us? Um, and it was only in the last, you know, I guess year that I've really understood why she really kept a distance from mom, um, and the rest of her family, really, especially since I would have been running scripts at her. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been quite interesting in a way. (laughs) So, um, she's never had children. She's about 30, she'd be about 38 now. And I don't think she wants kids, which I think is so despairing. Hmm. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, that was sort of mom. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it's, hard, yeah, it's horrible then,
0: how these bladed whirlwind destructo bots of personalities can just go through and destroy an entire gene pool. Almost, that's right. You know, to the point yeah. where people don't want to have kids. People can't bond. They can't fall in love. They like. It's just like, man, talk about putting an entire gene pool through a whirling dervish blade. Tasmanian mm. devil cheese grater of a personality <laughs> like how much destruction one person can wreak in a family is almost beyond comprehension.
5: That's right and the thing is it's her own gene pool too. I mean it's, just, it's madness. Um, Yeah so yeah I mean we my brother and I were the youngest so we grew up quite neglected like we lived in a farmhouse that we had drafts through and so funny listening to you talk about you, your you mom. You drafts through this farm oh, drafts this through okay farm. yeah yeah okay yeah um you know i hear you talk about your mom a lot and i just oh it's so crazy stuff some of the stuff you talk about i'm just like that's mom as well it's it's so similar like this constant talking about her problems and not kind of interested in yours sort of oh, so you just don't just even bleh. have to be there
3: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah my yeah, mom my don't... mom was in the bath once but the door like a tiny bit open right my mom's in the bath yeah whining and droning about some damn guy at some dance that she was trying to get attention and, and all of the machinations and complexities of who glanced at what and what song came on and who did what i just went out yeah. I went out went to the mall this is back in the day where at the Appian way at the don mills mall you could get a slice of pizza for 75 cents and a pop for a quarter so i'd Wow! Get a buck, because back then, man, I was making $2.20, $2.40 an hour, and I went over and I picked up a slice of pizza and a pop, I ate, I drank, gone about half an hour, came back quietly, just blabbered along, didn't notice, didn't notice. (laughs) Doesn't matter. You don't even have to be, and of course, if you're in the room, though, you're doomed if you don't pay attention. Because you you zone yeah, out, right. and then she's like, "Well, what do you think?" And I'm like, uh, "I don't know. It's complicated because <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been listening for like half an hour, and right. uh, it's a mess." So,
5: yeah, I mean, I remember sitting on my computer trying to do an assignment, and my mother's in the other room because I mean, this little farmhouse living room was tiny. Mm. She's so in the in the lounge room with the TV on, knitting telling me about all these problems she was having at work and just repeating herself over and over again. I'm like, I just want to do my assignment in peace. There's literally no escape. Like, it's not like I can go outside, you know? (laughs) I don't think we have laptops
0: at that point. Well, the other thing (laughs) too, and I I don't mean to one-up you, but I just want to point out to people how boringly predictable dysfunctional personalities are. And this this Mm -hmm. is, I think, the Paul Johnson point that he makes. There's an old Tolstoy line anna karenina or something like that where he says every happy family is alike but every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way and i remember paul johnson saying that's not really true like when you look at the family of drunks it's all the yeah. same shit you look at yeah. the family where there's a narcissist it's all the same shit you look at the family where the drug addict it's all the same shit happy families yeah. are all very individualistic but dysfunction is so boringly predictable it's like these people are just they have a stamp it's like they're programmed it's like there's no cuz i mean i remember my mother i don't remember what she i know what she was typing later she was always trying to sue people and anyway but but uh oh, that yeah. this is when i was about 11 or so my brother was still over in england i'm trying to sleep and we have an electric typewriter cuz no computers back An electric typewriter and she'd sit there and smoke like six feet from my head Mm. and then she'd type a little bit and then because it's electric typewriters it's loud right and then there'd be a pause and she'd smoke a little more and and i'm i'm literally like i'm trying to sleep i have a test the next morning and it's like trying to sleep with the (laughs) clatter of small arms fire and the smoke of a battlefield fucking drifting across your face it's (laughs) mental it's yeah,
5: it's just insane, and I can't like, imagine what it's like to not- live.
0: Sorry, to interrupt. Here I am talking <laughs> yep. about talking over people, but I can't imagine Beth what it's like <laughs> to live in a world where you don't even notice that someone else is in the room. Like I, I can't imagine.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy, you know. And it's like, like it destroyed me. It destroyed my brother as well. I mean, my brother's kind of in a it situation destroyed where it's me failure to launch. Well, I mean,
0: really it now, broke me down. It was tough. <laughs>
5: It was tough. It, all right, I hang on just a to, sec. Uh, that,
0: hyperbole, I'm just making a little note here.
5: Stop teasing the I mean. serene. <laughs> uh,
0: exaggeration. I'm very good
5: at hyperboles.
0: <laughs> Not quite hysteria, but we'll keep an eye on it. Okay. All right.
5: Oh, being so sexist, hysteria. <laughs> <The>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, men can be hysterical too. You should see me when I have a pimple and a speech. to get... Anyway, okay. Um, all right, um, so it was. it yeah. was tough though, right?
5: It was tough. That's right. It was tough. And, uh, you know, I spent, I've spent many years rebuilding myself. I, um, I, you know, it was quite manipulative sort of when I came out into the world, um, you know, very controlling, like I wanted people to feel a certain way. Cause that was kind of how mom had approached me. Um, I didn't understand the boundaries between other people's feelings and not like firstly having to feel those feelings and secondly, having to manage them. Um, I've only sort of gotten that through my brain recently that I don't have to manage all those people's feeling, and it's incredibly freeing. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Oh yeah, no, um, it's
0: interesting that you feel that way. You know, I mean, as opposed to the way that if you grow up in these dysfunctional households, it's like somebody just like Japanese sword style opened up their intestines and they're spilling out, and well, <laughs> that changes your day. Now you've got to help them put yep. their intestines back in. You got to get some ice, and you got to call an ambulance. <laughs> you can't just go on yep. with your day. And and the idea that people, you know, like, oh, I just stubbed my toe. Oh, I'm sorry you stubbed your toe. As opposed to, my intestines are spilling all over the floor. Do something. Right? I mean, it's mad.
5: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and it's like mom really making her, like, feelings our problem. And because I remember once as well, she played like, I could go on stories about it but This one was just crazy. Like, my brother refused to go and do his learner's permit test. Um, and it, she'd just been having fights with him for weeks and weeks. And we had a veranda, um, at, at, like at the back of our house, she took everything from his room and threw it over the balcony and then just left me to kind of deal with trying to put my brother somewhere where basically, you know, he wasn't going to like, have to sort of deal with her rage. It was just crazy. So, Yeah, it's that sort of of, um, upbringing. And then uh, like your mother as well, like she used to love suing people. And um, just before she died, she was suing my aunts for um, more than a third of the estate, even of her father, even knowing it had clearly been set out, what each of them would get. Because she made up this crazy story that one of them had been stealing money. And I think that's kind of what caused the stroke in the end. Like um, basically she completely stressed herself out. And, um, I'd also cut off communication a couple of years before, like I finally kind of grew, grew a bit of a spine and I said, mom, I can't deal with your, like this craziness anymore. Like you need to go see a psychologist. And once you do, we can have a chat again. Um, and that was just, you know, oh gosh, just the, the manipulation and the guilting, but I managed to just get her away and we didn't speak for two years. Um, and then the next thing she was dead, like, and I guess many people would look back on that and regret it and i've questioned it sometimes i'm like no i have no regret oh god no she you know she like, no, she can, already, you like can you imagine can you imagine if you
0: hadn't had those extra two years that would have sucked
5: yeah that's like, right no, I, just...
0: I got two two years of not having to deal with a crazy woman Oof. Yeah. good good <laughs> exactly because it's not like i don't have a healing power to make crazy people sane. Right. That's I mean, right. You, you can yeah, listen to Jordan Peterson talk about this, this kind of stuff. It's in one of his talks about race and IQ. And I'll paraphrase here just very briefly. But yeah. he's saying, look, if the child is antisocial, and that's more just like, that's like bad, right? Antisocial personality disorder is bad. If yeah. they're antisocial at the age of four, guess what? No one knows how to change that. And it's most likely, almost certainly, 99.9%, it's not going to change. Yeah, And if you look at this, like, personality structure, it's not going to change. It's kind of what I was talking about with the last caller. Like, it's not going to change. Now, I think that if yeah. somebody's like, wow, I'm really unhappy and I really want to change and I'm going to go into therapy. Like, if they really take a huge effort themselves, sure, then you can look for some kind of change. But that person is like one at a thousand, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And so, yeah, that's right. yeah, he's saying, you know, like, the more you study personality development, the more despairing you get. About any kind of social change that that's centrally planned or anything like that, because you know what, what can you do? So for these antisocial people, nothing changes. Nothing changes, mm. and they just you know have these terrible and destructive lives. Now maybe around the age of twenty seven, things start to cool down a little bit. You know, like borderline personality disorders, they tend to mellow a little bit as they get older. They right. just kind of get exhausted. But uh, yeah. no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't change, and. Yeah. He says, you know, basically there's an argument to be made that you just keep people in prison until they're 27. But the problem <laughs> with that is that they're, they're in they're then with with prison people, <laughs> you know, so that's no good either. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a mess.
5: That's correct. And you know, I'm a you know, I believe in free will like mum has mum had the choice. Um and obviously she loved her own chaos more than she loved me sadly, but
3: but the, yeah, I don't
0: know, people but were
5: gonna to you.
0: <laughs> l- let me make a tiny case for you that that might help in terms of looking back on this. I, I can't know for sure, oh. of course, but but I think there's a strong case to be made for this. Maybe she didn't have any more free will by the time you met her. Okay. Right, because free will is not something that you get forever. Like I think of free will, like can you run a five minute mile? Well, okay. So if you say I want to run a five-minute mile and you're young and you're not obese and blah, 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 right? Then okay, you can train and you can run a five-minute mile. But mm. if you're 50 and you weigh 400 pounds, you're never going to run a five-minute mile. Like by that time, that choice has been removed from you because your joints are worn down, you're obese, your heart is a big pile of lard. I mean, it's just a mess, right? Yeah.
5: But
3: can that, sorry, can go ahead.
5: Physical- Oh, sorry, I was, I was just going to say, can, I know you're using a metaphor here, but I mean, that's a physical metaphor. What about a like, you know, in your mind, essentially? Oh, it's like even worse. Someone...
0: It's even worse okay. for mental habits than it is for physical habits, because at least with physical habits, you have, well, you're 350 pounds. <laughs> you can see that in the mirror, right? Yeah. You're ashamed yeah, of it. You feel bad about it. But for most people who have these kinds of dysfunctional personalities, they're perfectly right. And oh. you're perfectly wrong. They're 100% right at all times. And so it's almost like the person who's 350 pounds is looking in the mirror and sees like Ryan Gosling's body. Yeah. And then you're saying to them, well, you know, you're unhealthy, you're way overweight. And you're, like, hey, I'm looking in the mirror, man, I'm <laughs> fine. What are you talking about? You're crazy. So it's even yeah. worse because with the physical stuff. At least there's objective. You can go on the the doctor's going to say you're fat, lose weight or something. The scale is going to give you a number. But the mental stuff can yeah. be so self-defined that reality is almost impossible to get a hold of. And so I think it's the, the mental stuff is even worse than the physical stuff when it comes, like, yeah. you know, like if you say, well, I can run a five-minute mile, at least someone can say, okay, great, let's go out I'll time you. But when it comes to I'm a good person and everyone else is wrong, how on earth do you disprove that hypothesis? You can't really because the other person can just redefine anything they want.
5: Yeah. It's quite scary, really.
0: Oh, it is. It is. And uh, trust me, uh, my mom outlived your mom and nothing changes.
5: Yeah, that's right.
0: Nothing, And in the
5: end, like, sadly, that death is a relief. It's... It ended all the court cases. It ended all the madness and the fact that she died. <laughs> the
0: lawsuit suddenly. has closed with a bang. <laughs>
5: right. Yeah, that's right. Now, and why did your dad, like why did
0: your dad marry her?
5: Oh, bloody. I God knows. This is something I've been really thinking about lately, like more listening to you as well. And understanding dad had a choice, you know, kind of grasping that a bit more. Um, he, his mother was pretty bloody insane as well. He, um, she, she, she got pregnant to a war hero who came, came back, um, to Australia. Um, and they got married, like shotgun marriage. Um, and basically she destroyed didn't destroy. Sorry. She really wore down all of the, the men in that family. And dad was the lucky one. Like he escaped. He basically went, nah, no, screw this. I'm leaving home. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Um,
0: Well, I mean, it's not like he escaped like he got out of prison. He just decided uh, relationships are voluntary.
5: Yeah, that's right. That's true. That's true. Um, She had wanted him to commit perjury um, in a court case to do with my my uncle Ham. Huh, this seems to be a theme of court cases. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and dad was, dad said, no, that's not it. like she, she seemed to offer a bit of a poison chalice to each of her sons to prove their loyalty. And dad's just like, I'm not doing this.
0: Yeah. And I left. think I saw and how King Lear ends. Uh, it's not pretty. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, I think he, he had that sort of, yeah, like that, that upbringing and that first modeling of how a, a family functions and i don't know i just it's strange that in the end he ended up with mom because i he seemed to end up with a few like kind of weird eccentric women um one woman in particular who i i don't particularly like um and then ended up with mom and then i he i asked him one day if like we were planned you know and he said ask your mother
0: yeah <laughs> so
5: yeah. yeah so it's sort of i don't know what happened there um but they're working at the same hospital that's how they met um, She made some racist joke and, you know, he laughed and, you know, all the magic started from there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. But also if he was very
0: overweight, his options were limited, right?
5: Yeah, well, he wasn't that overweight at that point. He was a little, like a little plump, you know, he was, I mean, mum was 40 um, when they met. Um, So I guess maybe he was the kind of her option as well, because dad was a little bit eccentric as well. but yeah, it was quite quite strange. And then Dad was—I mean, Dad really fought for us as well because Mum moved about 700k's up the coast just to make sure that basically we're out of his reach. And he used to drive up every single holiday and just sit there at the gate with his, his car, <laughs> like you oh, know, um, he fought to keep himself in our, in his, in our lives. Essentially, I, he read a lot of Warren Farrell's books um, and sort of realised how powerless he was as a man too. But
0: it sort of reminds me of the, I don't know if you've seen, um, Cassie J's documentary, the red pill. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's, it's an amazing, amazing piece of cinema, which just find some way to watch it. People it's, it's just wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's that guy in there and I won't give it away, but, um, it sort of reminds me of that story of your father.
5: Yeah. That, well, I mean, watching that, it was just reminded me so much of dad. I mean, dad was involved in the men's right movement here in Australia. Like he, um, he also saved one guy from suicide because this guy's wife just would not let him see his kids and was dragging him through the courts for like 10 years. And he was on a forum and the way he was speaking dad, because he had, he'd had 40 years of mental health experience by then was like, holy crap, this guy's about to commit suicide. And he called the police and they found him in his car pumping gas into it in his garage and they saved his life. Like, and he, he now has, you know, he now found a really wonderful woman and, you know, has been able to see his kids and everything. And yeah, just, just insane what they do to these men. It's awful. Yeah. So awful.
0: All right. So let's get to your current dude. Yeah. Why do you want sexual market value? If you're in a committed relationship that is going to last. You only need sexual market um, value for your husband, the father of your children, right?
5: That's true. Um, <laughs> I guess it's like uh, I. So obviously, I, I don't have a good model of marriage, so I'm, I'm trying to. I'm still trying to understand a lot of it. But does it? Doesn't it? Like, kind of keep his status up as well? If I'm kind of, I have a sexual market value while well, being obviously committed to him.
0: Well, yes, but your sexual market value is different when you're a wife. Okay. So your sexual market value when you're a wife is you support his career. You're a great conversationalist. You're good at at running a dinner party if that's what's required. You are supportive of his work and his ideas, just as he is of yours. You're great at raising his children. You run a great household so that he can focus on, you know, you are like a great wife. That's status. You know, like if you were at a disco, okay, it's – you know cleavage and dance moves and shit like that right
5: <laughs> yeah
0: but that's not the i mean you, you you don't come out with glitter cannons and dry ice when you're bringing the turkey out at thanksgiving right you know what i mean like you don't need backup <laughs> don't dances know. and you, you just wow this is great turkey <laughs> you know you, you're lucky to be married <laughs> to this wonderful woman right
1: <laughs> yeah the great yeah, no, okay.
0: the great the great status for a wife the great status for a husband is to have a wife who's competent who's smart. Who's attractive and by attractive, I don't, I just mean, you know, don't, don't gain weight. Like, why are American women getting so fat? Because they don't have to keep their men because they can get money from the government. Right. So if, if you ever want to, mm. if you, if you want your wife to stay thin, just make some money. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sorry. Like, it's just <laughs> the way things work. Right. And so, um, yeah, the, the high status is, is for a man is to have a woman who's, you know, smart and competent and loves him to death. Right. That is. Like, that's what other men are going to envy, not some one who, like some woman who looks like she was cut out of a Playboy mudflap on a truck on the interstate, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> you, you, like, you want not like, oh, she's like a woman who'd be great to have sex with. You want like, man, that guy's lucky to be married to that woman. She's a great wife.
3: Okay.
0: It's wifely market value. Sexual market value is before the ring. After the ring, it's wifely market value.
5: Okay, so what are so what are sort of practical things? It's kind of like I mean, I guess keeping you cool and not being too crazy, that sort of thing.
0: there's a low bar for you.
5: <laughs> Don't be crazy. Not
0: being a... too crazy.
5: <laughs> Don't be <too> crazy. <laughs>
0: True. <laughs> Don't be crazy at all. Oh, In fact, be robustly sane. A- right. Yeah. So, a man is a yacht, and a woman is the wind that moves the sails. Right, So your love, your support, your respect for your man is his greatest conceivable chance for succeeding in this life. Okay. You can will yeah. a great family for a woman often if you simply encourage support and believe in your man. Okay. And that means that you're a team. And, you know, because people like yeah. women are going to bristle, say, oh, you just, you just sit there and worship your man. And it's like, no, no, you're a team. You, as a woman, you gain so much from supporting your man. It's ridiculous because if your man has your support, he has a magic superpower that very few other men have because a lot of other men, they've got these, you know, kind of naggy, bitchy, negative wives who are feministy and resentful and independent in a way that is ridiculously atomistic when it comes to two trees growing together like a marriage. You support that man, you're going to give him a superpower to get ahead that is so rare and so powerful that it's going to pay you off in spades, just in terms of status and income and money and stability and all that kind of stuff, right? So think of think of two salesmen, right? I don't know what your boyfriend does, you get married or whatever. Think of two salesmen, right? And I've seen the situation up close and personal. So one salesman has a great wife who really believes in what he's doing, is very enthusiastic, talks about his work problems, really helps. And she was staying at home with the kids, right? And, man, he'd just sail into work. He was enthusiastic. He was great. You know, people loved him and so on. And then there was like right in the next office, there was a salesman who was just going through a divorce with a woman from hell. Now, mm-hmm. who do you think, who do you think made more
5: money? <laughs> the one with a happy wife. <laughs>
0: That's right. That's right. He made eight times what the other guy made. Wow! Eight freaking times what the other guy made, because it was an eat what you kill. It was like commission only, right? Now what happened? There was this death spiral with this other guy, because his wife was kind of bitchy, and so he was kind of jumpy and nervous. And she would also like she wanted the money, right? She liked the money, and and you know, hey, who you like money? It's nothing wrong with that. How you get it, right? And so he'd be nervous about not hitting his targets, which means he'd. He'd be too needy and he'd pressure the clients too much and they'd back off or, you know, whatever, he'd be jumpy and he's just his his the, the sensitive radar you need as a salesman was all over the map and it just wasn't working. Whereas the other guy was like, Yeah, you know, if I do well, I do well. If I don't do well, my wife still loves me, so I can really focus on what's best for my clients. And I'm not trying to serve, I'm not trying to feed up my clients' money to the giant smog more of my wife's materialism, right? Yeah. And so I was I remember looking at this thinking like, what is this stupid woman doing who's bitchily disassembling her husband i think that they would it was one of these like with trial separation like just anxiety producing horrible you know tough for the kids and it's like man if you just got behind this guy you guys would like you're going to get way more money out of supporting this guy than you're ever going to get in a divorce
5: yeah that's right
0: and i just like how stupid i mean not only is it wrong and and hateful Even from an amoral practical standpoint, how retarded. If you were enthusiastic and supported this guy, there's nothing he wouldn't do for you. And there's no amount of heights that he wouldn't reach financially. At least he'd have his very best shot at that. And I Mm. I just, I remember I'd walk past, you know, get my coffee, walk past these two guys. And, you know, one guy was hunched over in the office, right? Because, you know, if you're a salesman, (laughs) nobody wants to see the salesman in the office, right? I remember the boss coming down and saying, what are you guys doing here? Like, what are you doing here? Because, you know, there's one thing I know when you're here, which is you're not in front of clients. So don't be here. Go to a coffee shop. Go get a donut. I don't care. Just don't be here. (laughs) I don't care where you go, but you can't stay here. And I just yeah, one guy's hunched over, just trying to make phone calls, and he's got this huge pressure and tension and stress, and he's got to make the money, and you know, especially man, I can't even imagine what if that divorce went through. I don't know, right? If that divorce went through, and this guy's now got to make money, or he goes to freaking jail because he's not making yeah. his payments. Like, can you imagine? Gosh. And this other guy's like, man, he's just, you know, hey, you know, I calls his wife, love you, you know. um great I'll, I'll pick up the steaks let's have a barbecue we'll have the neighbors over how are the kids doing you know just a great life i remember looking at those mm. two offices saying i gotta break up with my girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> i was like that was like whoa oh man i can see which way my train track's going
5: um
4: right. so how
5: do you how do you like sup- like how do you disagree with your husband or like um I don't know, try to manipulate, but try to encourage him in a different direction in a supportive way, because um, there's like a few things at the moment we're sort of discussing, obviously, because we're discussing marriage. Um, We're kind of discussing where to live. Um, And at the moment in Australia, like house prices are just ridiculous. Like you have to obviously be Chinese to afford anything here. Hey, it's nothing Um, you can't solve
0: without (laughs) another couple of million people immigrating a year.
5: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it always helps, right? Um, (laughs) Especially to one city, that's always great. Um, So I want to leave the major city we're living in at the moment um, to go to the country, Mm. Um, and that's where I'm from originally, and the house prices are much more reasonable. And our kind of discussion at the moment is he wants to be close to his parents, because obviously I don't have any parents left, um, but he wants to be close to his, his mother so she can support me um, with the kids and stuff, and right. I mean, I'm not going to be working. Like we we've already agreed that that's the best way to raise our children. You're going to be
0: working; because... you're just not going to be earning.
5: Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I, I'm going to be bringing in value in another way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and you know, he wants to be able to support me in that, and he wants to make sure as well that I'm able to kind of like I, I you know, I love I love um, painting and and art and stuff, and you know, I, I've been able to sell works and things like that. Not that it's a money thing; it's more of a he'd like to support me to keep me as a well rounded person for the children to see um but i just don't <laughs> I like think how it's you talk about getting
0: pregnant is- and being a well-rounded person but anyway okay go on <laughs> that's
5: right can't wait um <laughs> anyway um so how do i i don't know how do i disagree with them in a supportive way i've been trying to run the numbers with them a little bit and it's just it's pushed him a little bit out of the city kind of but and there's other things like he wants to invent something, and he's sort of told me about it, and I'm like, I'm not sure if that's going to work, but I don't want to break your heart, you know. Essentially, it's just I think this is a remnant, for, remnant from like my upbringing and stuff. It's just being able to disagree with someone respectfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, and it's yeah. great.
0: Listen, disagreements should be welcomed in a relationship because disagreements, if you do it right, they get you closer. They bring you closer. Yeah. Like you learn more about each other. If you agree, it's great, but you don't really learn that much about each other. You learn each other, through, learn about each other through disagreements. Okay, so let's try a role play. Okay. <laughs> so you be your uh, fiance. Let's just say, right? You be the dude, right? Yeah. And I'm going to try and convince you. Now, the first thing is the first thing is that you don't want to convince him. That you're right. You want to convince him what's best for you both. Okay. Right? Because if if there's nothing in it for him, then it's simply an exercise in domination, right? Which is not going to work in the long run. You might get your way in the short run, but it won't work, right? So it has to be something that is best for both of you. And it may be a a solution that no one's thought about yet, right? Okay. So it's, it's about curiosity. Like, is there a way to solve this problem? Is it even a problem? Because it may be you, yeah. when you go into negotiations, you have to be willing to give up every single one of your positions. Because otherwise, oh gosh, you're just yeah. you're not moving, and you just the other person has to fight or comply, and that's no fun, right? So I'll yeah. give you an example of how that looks. All right. So, um, so first of all, um, I give you lots of sex and a back rub to break down your defences as a man. All right. <laughs> Wait, no. Who am I again? Oh, yeah. I'm you. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> All right. Now that you're spent, all right.
5: (laughs) After marriage, sir. after marriage, right? After marriage. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So,
0: okay. So you need to imagine me in a maid's costume made out of spandex. Oh
5: my gosh. No one needs to say that. I know. It's, It's tough to concentrate
0: for me too. Trust me. All right. So I would say, okay, so I have this impulse to flee the city. Now, okay, there's high crime, immigration zones are going to get worse, there's going to be ethnic tensions and problems, taxes are going to go through the roof, our kids are going to go to school with, who knows, people who speak 12 different languages, and there are only eight kids or something like that. And, you know, the, the, we all understand that there's good reasons to it. And it's, it's sitting there in my mind, like something we have to do, I don't know if it's something we have to do. But is there a chance we could just try and work through this and see if there's a solution that works or if I'm just crazy and have a problem for no reason.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. Okay. Your issue is, which I completely understand, you want to have your mom around. And wait, does he have both his parents?
5: He does. Yeah. He does. Okay. So you want to have they've, they've your to parents, 35
0: years. Are, are they retired?
5: <laughs> um, his mother's a housewife and his dad's not yet re- retired.
0: Is it true. anywhere close?
5: I think next couple of years, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, okay. Mm. Right. So So your major – is it? Is it right – I'll just call it Bob, right? So is it right, Bob, that your major concern is having your parents around when we have kids? Yeah. Is there a big barrier to you if we move out of the city in terms of your career?
5: No, I can work anywhere.
0: Oh, okay. So there's that possibility. Now, there's, there's to me a couple of different phases in life. So let's say that we get married in a year or two, we have kids a year or so after that. So I don't need to be out in the country before we have kids. I don't even need to be out in the country after we have kids. But with regards to your parents, what I think would be interesting is have they ever expressed any desire to live outside the city?
5: Don't think so.
0: Uh, do they ever vacation uh, sure. outside of the city? Do they like the country at all, or?
5: Yeah, they do. They travel down to um, <laughs> my sister's place, down, um, which is just outside of the major city.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So there is a possibility which we can talk about with your parents if we think it's even something that might remotely work because. If we have kids in a couple of years, maybe your dad's retired. Maybe, just maybe, if we get a place that's big enough, they could even move in to help with the kids for the first little while. Or if they want to stretch their retirement dollars a lot further, then what they should do is they should sell their place while the market is high, but before the race war, <laughs> whatever, you know, before <laughs> you know, whatever, before uh, it, it become before there's some kind of crash because people realize that that. The society is unsustainable as it is, or whatever, right? So there is a possibility that we could satisfy both our needs in that we could live in the country and your parents could be around. It's a possibility, right? I mean, who knows, right? So I'm happy to stay in town for for a while, years, as far as that goes, but I want you to be able to spend more time with the kids, right? Like I mean, and if our housing is cheaper, you can spend more time with the kids. Like you'll have to work less, right? Because, you know, we got kids, they're going to be an expense and so on, right? And if we can cut our housing expenses in half, then you don't have, you you can work less, you can spend more time with with the kids, right? I mean, yeah. does that seem like even something that might be possible or is that way off the map as far as what you're
5: thinking at all? Um, I don't know because my parents live in there at the house we grew up in and have spent a lot of time building it up. So I'm not sure if they'd want to move from there. Um, and... What if we
0: hold their grandchildren hostage? <laughs>
5: True. <laughs> okay, well, so they
0: may not um, want to move, right?
5: Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was also saying he'd like he'd like us not to be more than an hour's drive. Um, because he said he always remembered his, you know, grandmother picking up the kids and and things like that. But for me, it's, that's a total luxury. Um, I don't know,
3: but anyway, what
0: is a total luxury?
5: Well, to have, to have a grandparent close enough to, to pick you up and take you for a treat and
0: yeah, yeah. Okay.
5: Oh, well, yeah, that too. But, but also, you know, to, to live close enough, to live close enough to his parents is a luxury essentially, as far Uh, as I'm concerned.
0: Does an hour's drive Um, do you any good as far as where you want to live?
5: It's only it's only mildly better. Um, oh,
0: so you're talking I, some I mean, serious boonies, right?
5: Yeah, it's it's really expensive. Like they're even on the edge, of somewhat on the edge of the city. But anywhere that we could afford to live is just, you know, the house prices are going up and down. And my partner sort of said, "Oh, um, oh, they flatten now," and I'm like, "That's not good enough because we can't afford it. <laughs> like we've already looked at the mortgage repayments; it's more than you make." You know,
3: Ah.
0: well, um, he can live with one kidney. Uh, Is there a black market among the Chinese for any kind of, I assume, boner pill involving white kidneys? (laughs) Um, Now, what about this? Uh, What about the possibility? Like you need the most help from the grandparents when the kids are little. Now, when the kids are little, you don't need a house. It's nice. But when the kids are little. You don't really need a house quite as much because they're not really as mobile, as active and so on. Like when they're a couple of years old, it's good to have a um, a house so that they can go play in the backyard and so on, right? So if you have a smaller place when your kids are young, it's not too bad relative to okay. when they get older, right?
5: Yeah, I mean, we're hoping to have a lot of children, so there will always be small children in the family, you know, for may- hopefully a good 10 years, um, depending yes. on my fertility.
0: but let's say just for the first, say, four years, it's not quite as important to have a house. Like, I'm just looking for sort of flexibility about sure. what might happen. Okay. So, because if you say, well, the moment I'm pregnant, we have to have a house and three acres, then that's not a place to really <laughs> negotiate from.
5: Yeah, okay, that makes sense.
0: Now, if if it is like... Well, first of all, if you – I mean, the math is pretty simple. If you can't afford the house, you can't afford the house, right? Then it becomes – right? But if if it's a smaller place – and listen, just as a father, Beth, if I had the choice between having great grandparents around and having a bigger house, I'd choose the grandparents. Okay. Yeah. Like take a smaller place and have extended family because you want your kids to bond with the grandparents. It's great having that extra labor around. You're going to need some sleep. They can help. And also just having people who are experienced in raising children around is great because it's a lot of responsibility and, you know, you know what I yeah. mean? Like that's a real life human yeah. being you got to keep alive.
5: That's right. And it's, I find it scary because I've I've never, you know, we've never had little kids in my family and oh my gosh, some of these kids I see as well, not that kids are monsters or anything, but um, I've been seeing more, more and more little kids in action and just the chaos is insane. Like you, oh, you get this picture perfect idea of how children act and- how like home life is, but it's literally like we went to see his um his sister and her husband was there with these two kids, and one's um just a year old and the other one's uh, I think she's three years old, and he couldn't even eat his sandwich. Because oh, <laughs> yeah, no, juggling happen. these children.
0: Yeah, never gonna uh, happen. And it
5: scared me. I actually I just felt my ovaries just go no for like a little while and then I'm like, I have to get over it. And No, just do you it. you it's- gotta
0: surf that stuff. Like the, the kid energy is wild energy. There's a pretty funny there's this A B family on YouTube and there's a pretty funny little skit where, you know, life as a dad, you know, and he's like, Oh, I finally get to sit down and Dad It's like, oh what? <laughs> he sits there like the moment his ass touched, Dad, come see, you know, and it's like, Yeah, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. So That's all right. Yeah, I mean, now the more you're connected with your kids, the more close you are, the less of that wildness there's going to be, uh, at least of the non-delightful kind. And so, yeah, I mean, so some options are, um, to to stay closer to the grandparents means a smaller place, right? I mean, maybe like a, uh, an apartment or, or, or a condo rental or something like that. Is is that right?
5: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, half an apartment. Um, <laughs> um, I think yeah, we might be able to. I haven't looked into the option yet, but that's, that's definitely an option, like somewhere smaller, probably an apartment, but it'd have to be bigger than what he has at the moment as well. Um, okay. So now I'm going to introduce
0: you to a little something called fishing for grandparents. Are you ready? This is shamelessly <laughs> amoral. So here you go. Are you ready?
5: <laughs> All right. I'm ready.
0: <laughs> Grandmother. Grandfather. "'Look at these beautiful bambinos. Look at these babies. Aren't they wonderful? You want to hug them. You wish to hold them, stare into their giant Disney eyeballs. You wish to bond with them. Now you are close. You are wound together like two trees growing into one, like tentacles in a Gordian knot. You are bound. You are together. And now watch, grandmother and grandfather. Watch as I slowly back them away into the country.' Do you feel like coming along now that you're very closely bonded with them? Do you feel like giving up, sell your property at the height of its market and economic power and come and live <laughs> with the children and you can drop little, but well, they're not really breadcrumbs, maybe little, Goldfish crackers or something like that, like little Cheerios. Come with me into the country with the bambinos that you have bonded with so closely. You would miss them a lot, would you not? You would, you would miss loving them and holding them. No, you do not want to miss any of their major milestones or when they look up with their eyes and say, grandmother, grandfather, I love you so much. I'm so happy you're in. Oh, we're backing away a little bit more. Are you sure you do not want to come with us? It is wonderful in the country with the children that you have. You understand how this goes, right? Yeah, yeah. I could do that for about a week, but I'd punch myself in the head long before that. (laughs) Right. So once they're bonded, uh, you know, they might want to actually, um, right? So yeah, I mean, as well, far as sexual market value, forget about sending nude selfies to a guy. Just send pictures of your grandkids to your grandparents. Come with the children <laughs> to the to the country where there are white people in peace.
5: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like the place that I'm suggesting to him, um like has a very, you know, it's like very white. Um, and I've been kind of red pilling him pretty hard on um on race and our identity as well because he's um his grandfather was English and I'm like yeah, English, you know, it's beautiful, isn't it? All of our culture and all of these beautiful nuances, even though we've got all these people pushing us away from that. Yeah. Um, and he's beginning to get it, which has sort of helped with the the country argument a little bit. And his his older brother lives, you know, in another state and his parents are willing to, you know, go and fly up there.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, so you, can, know, you can find I,
0: ways. And listen, I'll tell you this yeah. again. I mean, you know, when my daughter grows up and has a bushel load of kids, like, I'll I'll just move wherever they are. Yeah, you know, like I mean, wh- what does it matter? It's a it's a freaking house. Just go be with your family. Go, like I mean, like that's just the way I feel about it. Houses come and go. I've moved a lot, and it's like, what could replace time with my grandkids?
5: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and that's true. And I can't I mean, love stuff like, more than
0: people, and I can't love foundations more than genetics. Like I just can't. I mean, I just it's just stuff, you know. Someone else going to move into your house. Awesome. No one else is ever going to be your grandkids.
5: That's right and it's more important we have a house for the children so they have this concept of like of, of place and and you know not being bloody worrying they're going to get shanked at school and you know having to kind of deal with like all of this like melting pot well,
0: or Alex you know if it's to have if it's heavily chinese there's just going to be tough stuff with that too you can you can That's tell so him right. this story this is kind of a funny story okay so back when they were making the first Star Wars, like 1977, and when you were about minus 300 or something like that. So <laughs> back when they were making the Star Wars movies, I think it was the second one, it might be the third one. All right. Anyway, so they had guys dressed as the Rebel Alliance, just random actors, right? And then they had guys dressed as stormtroopers, right? And then they had other guys dressed in, as, as sand people. They had other guys dressed like just, you know, people in their costumes, right? Random yeah. actress. Now, <laughs> it's lunchtime. Do you know what happens? The stormtroopers sit with the stormtroopers. Ah. The sand people sit with the sand people. The Jedi sit with the Jedi. They're just costumes. <laughs> and they're still <laughs> self sorting by external That's characteristics.
5: Yeah, yeah. That's how
0: okay. ingrained it is. You put on a costume yeah. and it's like, well, I can't be sitting with no Jedi.
5: Yeah, that's right. It's the and Star Wars an
0: diversity yeah. lunchroom test. <laughs> it's
5: so a crazy. trap. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
0: that's how ingrained so it is in us.
5: Yeah, That's right. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, how we order ourselves. And it helps you. I feel like it helps you. Create a richer interior life because you're not so worried about like who you're going to offend and what toes you sort of. Well,
0: you know, step diversity might work, but not as long as everyone's race baiting. Like that's off the table. Yeah. Like if if we ever have a civilization where people aren't so addicted to race baiting and white privilege, this and like I mean, no, okay, maybe maybe we can give it a shot when people aren't so addicted to race baiting. But like, we'll never know if diversity works in the present because people just race baiting all the time. So, and that's the IQ right. stuff. But anyway, yeah. all right. So as far right. as this um, negotiation goes, you're looking for creative win-win solutions, right? You have okay. to have a rule within yourself that says, I'm not going to bully, I'm not going to force, I'm not going to escalate, and as sure as hell, I'm not going to try and get my way. Ooh, that's a weird thing, right? Because we're so used to bullies yeah. and people who just, you know, like conflicts in dysfunctional families are like two, two pieces of paper being pushed together on a flat surface, like one goes up and one goes under, one wins, one loses. And so you have to say... In a love relationship, and this is, like, I can't ever have my way. I have to find something that works for us all. I have to, like, and we'll keep working, we'll keep being creative. But if you go in with, like, well, that's it, we're moving to the country, you know, it's like, that's going to cause a lot of problems. Because either you give up what you think is really important, in which case you resent the person, or you get something against the other person's preferences, in which case they're going to resent you. That's no good.
5: That's right. That's yeah, so it's, a, so it's really a negotiation, rather yeah, than well, you. you like have to be like,
0: I, I'm not happy. You, I'm not happy with the idea of living in the city and raising kids. I think it's crazy expensive. Mm. There are there are ethnic issues. You know, rivers of blood. Anyway, um, so <laughs> um, like, yeah. I'm not comfortable with that. Now, say, so you come in with a feeling, right? Which is the feeling is I don't like this idea. I don't like this. Now, everyone thinks that the solution to their feeling is well, you got to move to the country. That may be the solution to the feeling, but you don't know. Because you come in – this is real-time relationship stuff. The, the book is free at freedomainradio.com. But you come in and you say, I have a feeling. I don't like the idea of raising raising kids in the city. I, I don't like it. Now, maybe the problem is my perception. Maybe the problem is where we're living. Maybe the problem is whatever, right? Mm. Maybe the problem is I read too much Steve Saylor. Or this. I don't know. It could be <laughs> anything, right? So maybe the problem is I'm reading Ann Coulter's great tweets between the lines. I don't know. Whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> right? but um, you come in with a feeling, which is I don't like something, and you don't know what the solution is. So you're inviting mm-hmm. someone to come in and just discuss a feeling, rather than, "Hey, honey, we got to move to the country," which is an ultimatum, yeah. and it's escalating, and it's there's no negotiation, and right. You come in like, eh, ah, you know. Something doesn't yeah. feel right. What, something's not sitting right. Let's talk about it without an agenda, yeah, without a conclusion because you don't know <clears throat> what the solution is. The solution could be something neither of you have even thought of.
5: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, can I ask one more question? It's mm. to be really annoying. <laughs> how do you, how do you build intimacy in a romantic relationship as well? Like what's the kind of key to that? Um, build intimacy. Cause I feel myself. Yeah. Like I feel myself withdrawing sometimes and, I, I actually just finished your real-time relationships book yesterday, which saved me from making an ass of myself and having a big dumb fight over nothing. Wow. So thank you. Um, but I'm trying to, I'm just trying to kind of process of in practical terms, how to build that intimacy with him. And uh, I don't know. I, well, hey, yeah, what
0: what I do you mean by like intimacy? It's...
5: Um, I don't know, like a, like a deeper bond essentially.
0: Okay. Um, what do you mean
5: by deeper well, bond? <laughs> Sorry, I'm being- I'm You being both get
0: absolutely. stormtrooper outfits and you go to lunch. Anyway, so go.
5: <laughs> go sit together. Um, yeah, I, I guess, um, I don't know, wanting to be around him all the time. Because I know you said, I, I remember listening to you talking about, you wanted to be with your wife every single day. And I feel like if I was with him every single day, I'd go insane. But then I'm like, I want to marry him. Like, it doesn't make sense.
0: If you were with him so, every single day, you'd go insane.
5: Yeah. I don't know. All right, hang
0: on. Hyperbole exaggeration.
5: Oh, of it. <laughs> hysteria. All right.
0: Uh, we have confirmed hysteria sighting. Vector three. Vector three.
5: I need to like tattoo that on my arm. Like hmm, <laughs>
0: hyperbole. <laughs> all right, you're going to be a great mom. I'll tell you. That I means, in all seriousness, no. so you are going to be a great mom. Okay. Um,
3: oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> so. What's your scenario by which you lose your mind by spending time with your uh, husband?
3: Uh, hmm,
5: I, I think a good example maybe is so last weekend um, we spent all of Saturday together, but mostly in the the city his like family.
3: <laughs> you say and
5: then, the
0: hot tub or something. All right. Okay.
5: After, after marriage, right? After marriage. all right. <laughs> I
0: need some pictures, but all right, go on, go on.
5: <laughs> um, and then the next day, um, he, oh, we had this big stuff up where he was, I thought he was going to pick me up. And then he thought he wasn't supposed to pick me up. And then he's 20 minutes late. And I'm like, where are you? And he's like, aren't you getting yourself there? And I'm like, what? So uh, I got angry at that point, And I think I got angry because I'd spent more time with him than usual. No. And we also kind of, I don't know, we ran no, out of no, things to no, say to No, no, to no, no,
3: no,
0: no, You didn't get <laughs> angry because you'd spent more time with him than usual. Yeah. Question. And is this the big fight that you avoided, or is this one that you had?
5: Uh, this is the one that I avoided because I, all right, I kind of repressed my rage and then got snippy at him, so I didn't really repress it very successfully. Um,
0: <laughs> no, no, repressing but... snippy is better than raging, so that's a step in the I... right direction. Maybe <laughs> more than one.
5: That's <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like if I spent too much time with him, I'd, like we run out of things to talk about.
0: Okay. Almost. Well, okay. So, so, so let's let's back that up a sec. Okay. Did you spend more than 20 minutes in the conflict?
5: Um, Do you mean when we were kind of resolving it? later? No, we literally, we spoke about it for three minutes and I just said, I'm sorry, I'm snippy. I was just feeling a bit frustrated about that whole situation. He said, oh, I'm really sorry. Um, That that was a whole big sort of stuff up. And I said, yeah, we should probably just be a bit more communicative. (laughs) And then it was fine you know we just went on with our day essentially
0: okay good good that's that's good and it's funny how these things can ruin your day and or not you know and i remember being with girlfriends who would get crazy about stuff it'd be like it's like watching a treasured art piece slide down the side of a glacier into a killer whale's mouth like no why do we have to ruin it why is it going this way (laughs) like why does it have to be this way so so you you were waiting for 20 minutes and he was you thought he was supposed to pick you up right
5: that's right. Now, yeah. here's
0: why you shouldn't get mad at him. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm, I'm appealing to your selfishness here, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Because if you get – let's say he made a mistake, right?
5: Yeah. Right,
0: exactly. or, or maybe you did. doesn't really matter, right? But a mistake was yeah, made, we probably, right? Done. Yeah. So if you get mad at him, let's say he made the mistake, right? So if you get mad at him, you are setting up a principle in the relationship that says – if you make a mistake, you will be punished. Yeah. Now, you know what that means? Yeah. What happens when you make a mistake? <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> oh, I get a Scott
3: free don't That's I? what I mean. Like,
0: you <laughs> want to keep things loosey-goosey because you're going to screw up and he's going to screw up, right?
5: That's right, yeah.
0: And so be like... Sure. Now, if you say, okay, it's a little annoying. It's not a big deal. Now, if the next time you make a mistake and he's like, right, and you're like, hey, remember this? Like you were 20 minutes late and I'm like, you know, you don't want to – and you can say to him, you don't want to set it up that you get to get mad at me if I make a mistake because then I get to get mad at you and you make a mistake and then we've got to start denying mistakes and we'll just – it's horrible, right?
5: Yeah, interesting. Like everything – it's the
0: it's a Kantian categorical imperative. Like act – such that your action creates a general rule that everyone has to follow. Okay. And that's what happens in <laughs> relationships, right? It's what happens in relationships is if you feel like, well, this other person made a mistake, and what that is what when another person makes a mistake, you have power over that person.
3: And the yeah. question is,
0: how do you handle power over another human being? This is foundational to all human relationships, but particularly romantic relationships. How do you handle power? over another human being now when someone has made a mistake you now have power over that person because they feel bad you're in the right they're in the wrong you have power and yeah. how do you handle power over another human being right are you like uh the schindler's list guy in a good mood or the schindler's list guy in a bad mood <laughs> right no <laughs> and it's important it's right and and it's important to make this like yeah and this is why you say how do you become intimate well being intimate is being vulnerable. And being vulnerable means that you trust the person not to abuse the power that they're going to have over you. Because when you first meet someone, actually just talking about this with my daughter the other day. So you first meet someone, you don't really have power over each other. If it's like a first date kind of thing, maybe if you think they're hot and they don't think you're hot. Maybe they got some power, whatever, right? But in general, they don't. But what happens is as you get more embedded into each other's lives and you get more intimate with each other's hearts and you learn each other's weak spots and soft spots and vulnerabilities and, and little crazy corners and all that, you gain power over the other human being, right? Now, relationships okay. grow when you use that power wisely and positively, not destructively. Mm-hmm. So intimacy stops, curiosity and vulnerability stop when you no longer believe the other person will use their power benevolently and you won't give them any more power which means you start to hide yourself
5: yeah that's interesting well maybe that's my question instead is how do i be vulnerable do i just accept that he's he might hurt me essentially well no it's like i'm talking <laughs> about that makes you me you, bit you <laughs>
0: earn the right for vulnerability by using your power wisely and benevolently with your partner okay right so you model the behavior that you want in a relationship. And if it's reflected, great. And if it's not, you get out if you can't negotiate something better, right? So you did yeah. something great, right? He did something that really annoyed you or just annoyed you. And you were honest about it. You apologized, he apologized, and you moved on and you had a decent day, right? Yeah. Now that's good because that every time you solve a problem, you become less frightened of the next problem. And every time a problem blows up, you become more scared of the next problem, which means you either become avoidant or things go to hell in a handbasket, which is two sides of the same coin, right? Right. So every time you successfully solve a problem, you get closer. And every time you fail to solve a problem, you get further
5: apart. Right. That's interesting. Because it was funny, like we had a week between the actual like makeup session because he apologized after we'd finished up that night. And I was sort of like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, like went away and got like, Felt all pissy for like three days and kind of withdrew a little bit. Wait, and then sorry, hang on, hang on.
0: You did what right now? So wait, where are we in the story?
5: Okay, so so um, last Sunday he was supposed to pick me up. Yeah. Then there was a week in between. And then Saturday, last night I saw him. And we had our little like makeup, essentially. And we didn't see each other that whole week. Make so up from what? Generally kind of what? I happened. thought you solved the problem. Um, I think because uh, I was like angry at the time and I was still angry.
0: You were still angry about 20 minutes late him picking you up?
5: Yeah, that's what I'm talking
0: about. <laughs> no, see, you said that you'd solved it in like three minutes. Because I said, did you spend more than 20 minutes solving the problem? Well, if the problem's still oh, going on a week later, guess what? You didn't solve it.
5: Yeah. It's, oh, sorry. I, I was a bit unclear there. Um, Hang on. Yeah, uh,
0: it, was, it was a week uh, later that we were in contact. Hysteria, with- Stop it. <laughs> she's quite I'm so slippery. Mean. Okay. <laughs> just making a note here. I'm
5: not being slippery. I'm just not a great communicator sometimes like a
0: bar of soap okay (laughs) okay got it got it all right
3: wait wait uh... sorry
0: a bar of hang on just gonna backspace here Oily oily soap
5: i'm sorry i i meant all right so it did go on for a week but when we actually met up and i wanted to solve it it took three minutes Cause well, I didn't want to talk to him over the phone, like over the phone. I wanted to talk to him face to face about it. And so I was angry for about three days and a bit like withdrawy. but then I really had to push myself to sort of talk to him over text, you know, and joke around or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of withdrew a bit last week. and I, Okay. Yeah, so wanna, you
0: were being dishonest. Do
5: that to him. With him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not like
0: so. bad. I'm not trying to say you were being mean liar. I'm just saying that, you were yeah. not being frank about what you felt right
5: that's right yeah and i wish i had at the time but i i felt like i was going to kind of let him have it and i was doing that whole thing where i was creating that myth in my mind as well um which i'm becoming more aware of where i'm like oh he's just a bad person or he's unreliable blah blah which is completely <laughs> untrue <Right. laughs>
0: Hang know, on. it's one just, more note here what, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> This is going straight on my blog. <laughs> right.
5: That's it. I'm out of here now.
0: All right, right. Fair enough. So, okay. So, was it – so, the 20 minutes thing went on for a mm. couple of days, right?
5: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was still – I mean, when you say went on, do you mean you were still angry about I think it? it bothered
0: you. I'm not saying you were grinding your teeth, you know, but it bothered you, right?
5: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, maybe for a good three or four days, to be honest.
0: Right, right. Now, this, I would assume, I mean, it has deep historical origins and so on, but but uh, at the more practical and immediate level, Beth, I would assume it's something like this. I'm angry at him. I don't want to express my anger at him because it's going to make things worse.
5: Yeah, that's right. right.
0: Which means that it's tough for you to be angry at someone without it being destructive. Or you fear that it's going to be destructive because when you were a kid, blah, 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 like all the anger was destructive, yeah. right?
5: That's right, yeah.
0: Right? So so finding a way to express anger or or negative, quote, negative emotions in a way that's not destructive is tough, right?
5: That's but, right.
0: Right. So what I would suggest is... To be really honest, and that's the whole point of real-time relationships, is it's really hard to be honest in the moment, right? Yeah. Without falling yeah. into manipulation yeah. or management or something like that, right?
5: Or mismaking and... Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: So, So, or, or trying to find some way to make the other person responsible for your emotions. In other words, yeah, well, of course right. I'm angry because you did X, right? Yeah. So, I'm angry because of the 20 minutes. Well... That's not an honest statement. Because he wasn't yeah. doing anything malevolent, he wasn't doing anything mean, he wasn't jerking you around, he didn't have an affair, he didn't lie to you about something, he just he made a mistake, right?
5: Yeah, that's right. When you look at
3: it completely objectively, yeah.
0: Right. So the truth is, the truth is something like this. You could say to him. There's something really important in this 20 minute thing. Mm. The important thing is not what you did, right? Yeah. There's something important. I don't know what it is, but it's been floating around in my brain like a firefly. Just be, be like, there's something important about it. I don't know what it is. It's left me feeling annoyed. And, you know, please understand, it's not like you made this annoyance. I've got a whole history before I came along, which you know something about. But there's something really important because let me tell you something. I really care for you. I really care for you. And I hate that there's something in me that is interfering with me enjoying your company. It's not your fault.
1: Mm.
0: And it's because I care about you that I want to talk about this. I don't know what the answer is. 99% sure it has absolutely nothing to do with you, but it's between my heart and your heart. And I don't like it. I mean, I like it when we're close. I like it when we're happy. I really don't like it when there's something between my heart and your heart. And I don't know how Mm -hmm. to cross that gap. Now, then what you're doing, Beth, is you're inviting someone in to help you explore and solve something.
3: Yeah. Rather than you, okay. rat
0: bastard, who, you know, like that, that, that just drives <laughs> people away. And then you're alone and it's Simon the Boxer and it never works. And, and then you can't get angry and therefore you're all self monitoring and like it's no good, right?
5: That's right. Yeah. Because
0: you're bothered by the fact that it's bothering you,
5: right?
3: Yeah.
0: And like most people, we have the temptation, you, I, everyone, we have the temptation to say, after this, therefore because of this, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Right? And, and so after this, therefore because of this. So you felt bothered after the 20-minute late pickup. And then you say, well, I must feel bothered because of the 20-late-minute pickup, and it's his fault, and he should – right? And so then what you want to do is not talk honestly about your feelings, but control his behavior. Yeah, that's right. Because you think that it was his behavior that caused your feelings. But it's not. Yeah. It's not. Now, yeah. it's not like his behavior is completely unrelated. It, it's, a, it's approximate. It's necessary but not sufficient. It's proximate but not causal. Okay. So then the question is, what's the really important thing that's happening underneath those 20 minutes of him being late that's really going on? And that's intimacy is saying, I'm not going to use your mistake to have power over you, but I'm going to use your mistake to reveal something a- about me. That's alarming. So instead of you using power to dominate him, you reverse that whole equation. And the fact that you have power over him, like he made a mistake, he was 20 minutes late. The fact that you have power over him means not that you dominate him, but that you're vulnerable to him.
3: Yeah, Isn't that an
0: amazing thing to do? That instead of having power over someone and using it to dominate them, having power over someone and using it to be submissive or to be vulnerable to them.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Gosh, <laughs>
0: it's weird because it's complete yeah. reversal, right?
5: That's right. Yeah, it's completely anti-intuitive. Essentially, it's
0: well, it's anti-historical yeah. based on your upbringing and my upbringing too. Right?
5: That's right. Yeah, I hated um, making
0: mistakes I- in my family when I was growing up. Do you know why? Because then why? it would always and forever be. Oh, you remember that time when? And you'd never get to escape it, you know? You drop one plate, and for the next 10 years, you're the clumsy one. Yeah. Like, it's like, dominance, 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 dominance. I'm better. You're inferior. I'm superior. You're, And it would often be in the, bi- in the guise of, quote, comedy or whatever, right? But it's yeah. not funny, right? No, it's
5: not. No. And, you know, you don't get any close to those people. You just you know, <laughs> constantly defending yourself. <laughs> you like, get away from me.
3: <laughs> right, right.
5: That's right. right. I mean, and the thing is he's he's got quite a scientific mind as well and I'm sure he – I mean, he's very interested in logic and, um, you know, I'm sure he'd support me in, in that as well, like to kind of explore those feelings. And he's interested in how I feel. Like yeah. last night we were driving up to um this town. Like uh, I had to drive to this town when we went, went to ID Dad after he died and, you know, it was like quite a – Upsetting experience for me, obviously, because like the last time I'd been there had been such a horrifying experience, and I, I expressed that to him. You know, I said, "Oh, yeah, it makes me a bit nervous to be back here." And he said, "Yeah, you're definitely here in different circumstances." And like I wasn't crying; I was sort of, kind of rubbed my nose, and he immediately said, "You know, are you okay?" <laughs> um, you know, and the fact that he was actually interested enough in my feelings to ask is like such a huge deal. And
0: he wasn't interested um, in your feelings so that he could mess with them.
5: That's right. That's right,
0: but he was interested he, in he your feelings so them. that he could know you better.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's really beautiful. I've been so lucky, and and Steph, I, you know, like I, I thank you so much for all the work you do because I I would have found him without you, really. Well, that's so. a
0: beautiful thing to say, Beth. That's a that's a wonderful thing to hear, and I, I yeah. really really appreciate that kindness. And I'm just erasing a couple of these notes here. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I really that's just that's a wonderful to thing up, to hear. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's that makes that makes it all worthwhile.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, let's work. just look at the
0: last couple of things that you were talking about in your question here, right?
3: Sure.
0: You say <sighs> how do I age well as a woman in practical terms? We talked about some of that. Is there any is there a way to replace my sexual power so that I can do good as I get older instead of fading into an invisible middle-aged woman? Or is it a virtue <laughs> to accept losing this power? Now, again, yeah. this power is something that you're used to having. You know, there's that movie, 12 Years a Slave. For women, 12 Years a Hottie. 12 Years of Making Men your Slave, right? Because 18 to 30, right?
5: That's right. Well, I mean, I I only kind of, I was a bit of an ugly duckling. So it's only been the last couple of years I've had like orbiters and, you know, men that have been kind of interested. So, so I'm like, yes, this feels great.
0: You know? now. Um, Everybody's looking, looking up TFM on, on the internet. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, look it up. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. Anyway. And ridiculous is fun too. But anyway, all right. So, um, so you're not invisible. You're not invisible. If your husband and your children adore you. Okay. See, sexual power in a general sense is like the first stage of the rocket that gets you into orbit. You're supposed to discard it. And I know it's a little tough to discard, right? But you you have to because the whole point of your sexual market value is to get you a great guy who's going to commit to you and help you raise your kids. Yeah. So... When... The way to stay invisible is to not use your sexual market value to get a great guy. Then you become invisible because your sexual market value fades and guys, the quality guys are looking for younger women. So you are invisible, right? Yeah. You know, like there's, you're on some hot date and there's some middle-aged waiter. You don't care about the middle-aged waiter. (laughs) Bring me my damn food. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't want to hear the specials because someone's special is sitting across the table from me, right? So, So the way that you end up invisible is you don't discard your general you don't cash in your sexual market value for a quality guy. The way you stay yeah. visible is you cash in your your general sexual market value for a quality guy and you remain sexy to him and you remain being loved by your children. That's that's the trade off, right? There's no way to keep that sexual market value. Yeah. There's no way to keep it. It's a lottery ticket that expires, right? It is, you know, men age like wine, women age like milk. It's just the way of the world, right? So you can't but, keep this this sexual market value thing that's general, gets you attention from men as a whole, pfft, not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. You try that, you will fail. It's it's a, it's yeah. a will of the wisp. Like there's this old myth, right? The will of the wisp with these dancing lights that lead men into the marshlands and then they get lost and some horrible thing happens. I can't remember what happens at the end. But so- your sexual market value, you got a lottery ticket, but it's running out. <laughs> it's running out. So you've got to cash it in. It sounds like you've got a great guy. Yeah. And then you're saying, well, how do I keep my sexual market value? My question is, why do you want to? Ew. <laughs> no, seriously. You want <laughs> yeah. to be loved by your husband. Who cares about the guys on the street corner or the guys in the club or the, who cares about that, right?
3: Yeah.
5: That makes sense. It's I just to build it the foundation
0: like, of your family, not to have guys buy you drinks into your forties.
5: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I just don't want to be one of those annoying middle-aged women. Like, it's almost just—it's like, a bit of a stereotype. But there's these like women get to middle age and they just seem to be annoying, and people don't want to be around them. And I—I I mean, maybe it's a bit of a fear of abandonment or something. You know, I. I, I our fear of being isolated because people just go oh middle-aged woman I don't want to talk to that you know sure. um it's always in our culture and everything like that um, well, because, i mean obviously i don't want to
0: because they're talk to
5: the hotties but <laughs>
0: they're tragic losers
5: <laughs> yeah okay no they
0: are because it's not that complicated like yeah. women are hot and men want to buy them things yeah and women should trade in their hotness to get a commitment to be a good person and to be, you know, you want to be sexy for your husband until the day you die, right? Yeah. But it's just for your husband. Like, why do you want all this vanity stuff of everyone else? It does like, it's your husband. It's your husband that you love. It's the husband you make kids with. It's a husband who supports you financially. You support him emotionally. You run his household and it's a great team. That's what you want. Yeah. Now the women who are like, yeah. who seem to be surprised that guys aren't lusting after 42 year old women i mean come on <laughs> right i mean come on you've got like you've got to be kidding have you never picked up a magazine in your entire freaking life
5: but my social construct
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's a little it's a little tough for women to say we want to break out of sexual stereotypes when they keep preying on men's wallets through the state that's right. You know, we, we don't want to be objectified as sex objects. It's like, well, first of all, you can to do, which is why the malls are all about how to make women look pretty. So please don't tell me you don't want to be objectified. And secondly, even if you don't, you don't certainly don't want to take money from the government because that's mostly run by male politicians and it's mostly men who pay into the tax system. So you don't want to objectify men for their wallets against their will if you don't like men objectifying women with their participation.
3: Mm.
0: right so women you know is the old thing i saw in in some store in the mall it was a makeup store and you know what it said tools of the trade yeah tools of the trade that is so honest and women weren't saying oh that's so come on everybody (laughs) everybody knows you look pretty you look hot and you get um uh, 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 hopefully you get a more quality guy. I mean, if it's all just vanity, then it's all bullshit and, and hypergamy and, and our selected monkey branching crap. Right. But yeah, but the women, the women, the middle-aged women is like, this is why there's this, well, you know, a woman only comes into her sexual prime when she's 42 or she's in her 40s. Like, no, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just a lie. That. That's just a lie. That's made up to try and prop up the sexual market value of women falling into the great chasm of who gives a crap.
5: Yeah. Because right. you can't
0: go back in time. So we'll, it's like uh, fundamentally it's about the eggs, honey. You can Botox your face. You can't Botox your dino eggs. Just not going to happen, right? I don't want a kid with eight tentacles and four heads. Like it's just not going to happen, right? Or I don't yeah. want to say, wow, you know, it's great that you have an income and you've had a career. So now we can spend $120,000 on IVF treatments in the hopes of getting maybe one kid.
3: Yeah, that's When right. I share a and cup with
0: a, a 23-year-old a and she has twins growing out of her armpits.
5: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: So that's a tragic situation for, for women. Yeah. And they know. I mean, the feminists yeah. with their. It's like the women who say, well, <laughs> I put on 50 pounds and I'm just not getting as much male attention.
3: <laughs> it's like, yeah, no shit, that's Sherlock. That's <laughs> right. You picking up oh. any
0: homeless guys lately? No. Why? No resources. <laughs> Oh, my God. I mean, this like the women who are getting fat and say, well, I'm just not getting as much male attention. It's like you will from your doctor and possibly a mortician, but no, not for any men with choices because overweight women, (laughs) you lose your period. You are hard to have sex with. It's kind of gross. You got stuff growing where it's hard to clean and fertility is down and life expectancy is down and it's going to be more expensive to keep you alive. And it's like.
5: Who wants that?
3: Come on. Problem. Yeah. That's you nice. should love me at any
0: size. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Nature says no. <laughs>
5: that's true. Oh, that's
0: true. You know, if, yeah. if if women stop treating men as tax livestock, then I'll believe it. Then they don't want men to treat <laughs> them as sex objects. It's like, hey, I'll tell you what. I'll stop ogling your boobs if you stay out of my wallet. How's that for a deal? <laughs> oh, that's
3: terrible. That's true. But given yeah. that you're
0: not going to stay out of my wallet. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so no, you don't. You don't want. You're not going to fade into an invisible middle-aged woman. You ever want to see some really happy women? You see some really happy. I remember this once being on vacation, and I've I've seen this a whole bunch of times. Maybe you have too, but I've seen this a whole bunch of times, Beth. I remember being in Florida once. I was parking my car, and there was this old couple like the first half of the movie cocoon like this old couple guy had a hat on the woman had a big flowered print dress you know they had just come out of church or something like that and they were walking along and they saw my daughter and they knelt down and said hi to her and we chatted for a little bit and they were really happy Uh, guy this is old school man (laughs) the guy flipped open his wallet (laughs) that's what you had before cell phones flipped open his wallet showed me a picture of his family they'd had six kids they had like 19 grandchildren, they had like five great-grandchildren, and they were some seriously happy people because yeah. they had a great life. They know they'd left a legacy. They seemed like really nice people. They were great with my daughter, probably pretty damn good parents, especially given the times that they grew up in. They were never going to be lonely. They were always going to be people at their dinner table, and they were going to be wall-to-wall Niagara of tears when they died. Never had yeah. any question about the impact they'd had on the world. They had taken ham sandwiches and alchemy them into actual human beings. I'm not kidding. They had taken corn that grows in cow shit and turned it into human brains that get up and walk (laughs) and talk and do the most astounding things. And they are part of the great cycle of life and the great cycle of being. And I have seen so many grandmothers who just love it. They love it when the kids, the grandkids crawl crawl on their laps. They love to cook for everyone. They love it when the the house is full of noise and laughter and chaos and fun. And it's a great life. You think they're invisible? They are not invisible. They're about as invisible as gravity. They're about as invisible as sunlight. Now, the women who just had a whole bunch of careers and a whole bunch of stupid sexual relationships that went nowhere and led nowhere – And then those women who fall off the cliff in their late 30s and early 40s into the who-gives-a-shit land, they then have another 50 years to go. Yeah. And they don't have a house full of noise. And they don't have people who care about what they think. And they don't have people who care about what their health is like. And they have their jobs and then they retire. And what do they do? They wander around complaining that nobody pays them any attention. But you didn't fill mm. the world with life. You had the power to create life, you crazy women. Mm. You had the power to create life and you didn't. What are you crazy? Creating a life is much more than writing a great song or penning a great novel. You created it-you you have the chance to create a human being and you didn't. You damn well deserve to be lonely. Because you yeah. broke the great chain of being. Someone sacrificed to raise you. Someone gave up significant boob and ass elasticity in order to feed you some woman had stretch marks that you could probably fly a tie fighter down and (laughs) bomb the belly button like you're sending plasma down to the depths of the death star okay a couple of star wars analogies but you know what i'm saying right? Like somebody, some woman's belly popped out and never quite popped back in. So she looked like half a kangaroo leaning over for the rest of her life and got up in the middle of the night and fed you and had sore nipples and was tired and scared and nervous when you got a cold and, oh my gosh, she's got a fever. What's the temperature? Do we go to the doctor? Who do we follow? Someone went through all of that for you and you couldn't be asked to sit down and squeeze out a few pups to be surrounded by life, love and laughter in your old age. You selfish, selfish crone. You selfish, boring, inconsequential, who gives a shit, and I don't care that they don't care kind of person. Create life if you can. Now, for the people who can't, you have know, got your fertility problems, maybe you just never met the right person, I sympathize. I really do. And I'm not including those people in this particular rant or this particular equation. But when you have children who look at you with a serious thrill just when you come home, you know, like I come home when I'm out, my daughter like crashes into me, you know, jumps up. Big hug. Like it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, we we had to head out the other day. We went to a town not too far. We spent two hours in a playground. We um, we went and bought soaps, <laughs> you know, things that I'd never do like otherwise. And then we found a little restaurant that kind of looks like a cavern and we played Battleship while we ate. I mean, it was just like A perfect day and and just a wonderful time and you can't ask for more out of your life. And the idea of replacing all of that love and all of that amazing connection with, it'd be great if I got wolf whistled when I'm 45. Like, oh, what a sad waste that would be.
3: Yeah.
0: You will not become your mother, Beth. You will not become your mother because she became invisible, which is why she had to lash out so much, right?
3: Yeah.
5: Yeah. And she died alone, you know? Yeah. She wasn't found for a week.
0: And she should Um, have died alone. That's justice. That's fair. Yeah. Women, and there's some men too, but I think a little bit more, women need attention so much that if they can't get in a positive way, they'll get it in a negative way. If you won't call them, they'll sue you. Yeah. Just notice me, notice me, notice me. Did she have pets that ate her?
5: <laughs> you are so blunt. She She yeah, she had two dogs. I don't know if they ate her. I'll try not to think about it, but no. Oh, it's nice it's
0: nice it's nice to think that she may have provided some value at some point in her life. Oh, oh god. No, it's nice. They say she couldn't bring anything positive to the people in life. Maybe she surrendered some tendons and calories to some hungry dogs. You know, maybe that's the sum total of the positive stuff she brought to the planet, other than you, of course.
5: Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Those dogs were very happy dogs. So They were very what? They were very happy dogs. <laughs> you,
0: you mean know, because she died or?
3: Because <laughs> they finally got to eat her? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so and then dark, after they yeah, ate her, they I... became
0: very selfish and neurotic. <laughs> the curse passed to the canines.
5: <laughs> that's right. I mean, I mean, yeah, she got her up in the end. So um, she chose – well, she chose what she- – well, she chose the – well, that's what she chose in the end,
0: essentially. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, life is funny because life is not fair in so many ways. but. If you look for fairness in life, you will find it in a lot of ways. And part of what I do, Beth, and, and I think you'll appreciate this as somebody who did focus on voluntary relationships in the family. Part of what I'm all about is let's stop subsidizing nasty people. Mm. Right? I, I, I'm very much against subsidies in the business world. I'm very much against subsidies in the artistic world. I'm very much against subsidies in the personal world. Do not subsidize bad people. If you withdraw from bad people and everyone says, wow, you know, if you're a bad person, if you're selfish and you're mean and you're nasty, you're going to be alone. Mm. What that is is a kindness to other people who still have the chance to change. That's right. So we, uh, in, in ostracizing evil people, and I mean people who like you've tried and it doesn't work and it just, it's worse and right. By ostracizing evil people, Not only are we isolating the effect that they can have on other people, which is great. You know, I'm glad that I don't have any contact with my family before I got married, for sure. I don't think I would have ended up getting married if I didn't. But particularly after I had a child. Because Mm. my mother has no effect on my child. That's been sealed off, right? The, The contagion has been contained, right? And... That's good. That that's what you want, right? You you want something that is toxic to not be floating through your house. Like doing that's nasty right. things to the ecosystem of the minds they're in. And so to not subsidize immorality. There are bad people in your life. Cut them off if you can't fix it. That's my I
3: mean,
1: yeah, why? Because nice.
0: because you shouldn't be harmed by their actions. Those around you, in particular, kids shouldn't be harmed by their actions. And they shouldn't get subsidized. One of the central tenets of philosophy is justice. Yeah. And that means sometimes you have to turn your heart to just ice.
5: Yeah. That's right. You know, and she... I mean, I'm, I'm Christian, right? I'm, I'm Catholic, Um and, you know, it's this kind of like, you know, forgive people 77 times, but a lot of times people don't understand that passage. And the passage is if they genuinely apologize, <laughs> it's just, and mom never apologized ever. Nothing she ever did was wrong. And for a long time, she was also on, like for a few years, she was on some pills and I was talking to my aunt about it recently. And she was like, oh yeah, she was great. She was great. You know, there was no problems. And I remember during that time I had asked her some questions about my childhood and she was like, oh, but you upset me yeah. when you did that. So no apology. So she wasn't better. She was just quieter, I realized.
0: Yeah, she may you know? have been just sort of subdued or zoned out or spaced yeah. out based on whatever she was taking. But it's a funny thing, right? That's so right. You, you go to people who abused you as a child and you ask them about it. And then they say, well, that's upsetting. It's like, well, you know what was upsetting? Being abused as a child. That's right. If, if yeah. not upsetting people is some big virtue, why did you abuse me as a child?
5: Yeah, how do you think I felt? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. But you know, it's, yeah. you know, when they have power over you, they'll abuse you, and then when they don't have power over you, they'll guilt and manipulate you. I mean, that's just that's almost inevitable, right? And I was thinking, yeah. about, let me just wedge this in, and I'm sorry for hijacking this, but this is something I'm no, been thinking about. And so, you know, I've I've had some some criticisms of of what is called defooing or separating for psychological survival from your family of origin, and it's interesting, you know, and I just it just struck me the other day. I can't remember why but it popped into my head. That, you know, because I say, and I think it's a reasonable thing to say, which is I say, well, go talk to your parents, you know, go go bring up your childhood, go talk about things with your parents, because be honest, be honest in your relationship. Because if, if you can't be honest, you can only be as honest as your least honest relationship. That's sort of a basic reality in life. Like a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. You get that sort of idea. And so I was thinking, like, so why did why did parents get so mad at this very idea that that kids would come and talk to them about their childhoods? And and I, because earlier I thought, well, you know, defensive and this and that. But then I thought, okay, well, okay, but what if? And I'm not saying this is true for everything, but 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 what if? What if the abuse was criminal in nature? Right? What if it was sexual abuse? What if it was physical abuse above and beyond what is allowed legally? What if it was? Starvation. What if it was a lack of medical care? Like all of the stuff that would get you holed up in front of a court. What if the abuse that was committed against the children wasn't just screaming or spanking, or, but what if it was criminal? Well, how do criminals feel when they have a possibility of being exposed? Well, they feel pretty angry. They feel pretty scared. They get pretty hateful. And I thought for all of those people who've been out there saying, oh, this family separation is defooing, it's culty, it's bad, it's terrible. There's a possibility that for some portion of these families, you are serving the needs of criminals. You're serving the needs of people who weren't just bad parents, but were criminals, maybe pedophiles, maybe starving, beating, otherwise abusing, not getting health care for harming their kids. It's just something to think about when everyone gets mad. Well, when some people get mad at me about this kind of stuff, it's possible. And there's a reasonable case to be made that by pushing back so violently against this idea, you're just serving the needs of criminals.
5: That's right. That's right. I, I spoke to, I was speaking to a friend, a couple of friends a few days ago, and that was the same criticism they had of your work. Mm. And I just said to them, would you let an abusive person continue to abuse you? We're like, no. And I'm like, well, it's the same with your family. It doesn't matter. Um, you don't need to be abused by your family just because society says you need to love your, you know, your parents. <laughs> you can love them, but you love them from afar. It's just, you know, you I can hope, hope good you, for them.
0: I don't, I don't have any control fundamentally. The only control I have over whether I love someone is my own commitment to virtue. I have no control. Mm-hmm over whether i love someone outside of my own commitment to virtue because i know what love is love is our involuntary response to virtue if we're virtuous now i can't make other people virtuous but i can work on making myself a better person so when people say i'm not saying you're saying this but when people say you have to love your mom it's like i don't i don't have that power love is Mm. an involuntary response It's like saying to someone who just took a crap, you need to take a crap. It's like, (laughs) I don't have that power. I'm empty, baby. I'm I'm empty now. I don't have the power to make myself love people. Love – and of course, bad people. This is part of the subsidy, right? Bad people want you to love them without them earning it because they want that subsidy. They want the effect without the cause. And Mm -hmm. I will not let myself be heart raped. I will not let myself be love raped which is where I, like, if a woman, if you said to a woman, well, you, you owe some guy sex, you know, like that, that's terrible. No, you don't. You, but you say to some, you owe someone love. No, that's a, it's a form of heart rape. I, I think it's reprehensible and horrible. And no decent person would ever, ever say that. I would never say to my wife or my daughter or friends, you owe me love. You, I deserve your love. You, you've got to love me. I mean, that's that's a confession that I've done nothing to earn it and have done probably yeah. a lot to push it away, to destroy yeah. any capacity for love in others. I will not subsidize. I will not subsidize because the sub- whatever you subsidize, you get more off. Whatever you subsidize, yeah. you get more off. Whatever you tax, you get less off. And so if you want more evil, just subsidize evil. And I will yeah. not do it because evil is the great enemy of philosophy And whatever I can do to undermine evil, I will do.
3: Yeah. Absolutely.
5: Yeah. I mean, I I think I, you know, I still love mum, And I, you know, I loved her in the, I wanted good, good things for her, but those good things, like good is also justice, right? And I, I did want her to have her comeuppance. It was a horrible comeuppance. What did you love about your mother?
0: What did you love about your mother?
5: I think, well, that's a good question. What did I love about her? (laughs) Uh, Can you, I I wonder, can you love someone in a kind of a more abstract way? So you you want good for them? No. no, Okay. No, No, that's like
0: saying, well, I'm 350 pounds, but I'm thin in an abstract way. (laughs) Okay. I have heart disease, but I'm healthy in an abstract
5: way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? Like maybe maybe love's not the right word for it. I Yeah. I well, hmm, I'm now wondering if I completely kind of detached as well. So
0: You're going to have to I use mean, the same want- word for your children and for your husband, Beth. Yeah. Don't poison yeah. that word. Keep it holy. Yeah. Keep it for those who deserve it, who've earned it. Not people yeah. who've harmed you. Because when you said, and I was made a little bit of fun of you, but, you know, in all seriousness, I genuinely sympathize. And You said she destroyed me. How can you love someone who destroyed a child? If it wasn't your mother, but a friend of yours, mother, would you say, I love that woman?
5: Yeah, true. True. Yeah. You know, to be virtuous, you have to hate evil, essentially.
0: I know Jesus did.
5: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I wish, I wish the world was different, and she could have gotten better, but that just wasn't it. I mean, I mean, maybe it's just wishing, wishing a good for her that she chose differently. So.
0: Well, this is what the challenge with the Catholic thing too, because inside your mother was a soul. Yeah. And inside your mother was a soul that had the capacity to connect with God. Mm. I had the capacity. This is this is one of the challenges with the concept of the soul is that the free will remains relatively eternal, whereas a more physio- physiological view says by the time you've got those habits grooved into your brain, you fundamentally don't have free will by the end of it. And it doesn't mean you're not responsible. Like if if someone gets drunk and drives a car, they they're not responsible for crashing, but they sure are responsible for drinking and driving, right? We don't let them off the hook that because they were sense. drunk, right? And so if somebody makes a whole series of bad decisions and ends up with diminished free will later. On in their life we yeah. don't say oh the poor dear she doesn't have any choice it's like no she doesn't have any choice because all the bad choices she made it earlier
5: that's right well it's i mean part of our theology as well is that you know like when you god can cut you off it's at one point as well like this is part of being catholic is um if you mortally sin too many times basically god goes well you don't you obviously don't want it you
0: yeah know, it's now crossed over to not, mortal not venal and there's no way back right
5: yeah That's right. And uh, you can confess, but you you basically won't be saved. And so you've made your choice in the end. And sometimes your choice is an eternal choice.
0: And Um, I believe that immorality, even evil, mm. is survivable if you can provide restitution. So take a silly example, right? So you steal someone's bicycle when you're a kid. And then you feel bad about it and you fix their bike, you give them new tires and you return their bike with a big apology. Okay. You've made restitution, right?
3: Mm.
0: Now, evil becomes unrecoverable when restitution becomes impossible. Now, yeah, if you really, really harm a child, Beth, is restitution possible? Can you make that child whole again? No. No, you can't. No, you can't. It is unrecoverable. And that doesn't mean the child can't have a happy life. But it will never be undone within the mind of a child. Like, So if someone steals your bike, fixes it, brings it back, you're like, okay, that's kind of cool. You'll probably forget about it after a while, right? But if you get Mm. beaten and abused or raped as a child, you'll never undo that. Again, I don't want to say like you'll forever be miserable or whatever, but you can never be the person that that never happened to.
5: That's right.
0: And so right. because restitution is impossible, then forgiveness is impossible. Because forgiveness requires that someone make you whole. And if someone cannot mm-hmm. make you whole, they can't be forgiven.
3: Yeah.
0: And it's not like you resent. It's, it's impossible. Somebody steals $100 from you and gives you back $150 with an apology all right you know like i i took a um i took a vacuum cleaner years ago i took a vacuum cleaner down to put in my car my hands were full i left it by the elevator went to the car came back it was gone right because oh, yeah. i guess someone thought that maybe it was blah 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 so i called the police and they were useless as anything right <laughs> and 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 then so i went and and left notes everywhere saying if you took this vacuum cleaner by mistake please i needed it, it you know, whatever, right? Uh, next morning, I woke up and somebody had left the vacuum cleaner in front of my apartment door. Um, there was no note. There wasn't like I'm so, so It was just there, right? So I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, it cost me 40 minutes of putting signs up. It's not a huge deal. And I, you know, it's not like if I met that person, I'm like, you bastard. You know, like it's fine, right? It, <laughs> it, it, restitution-ish, right? That's fine. Yeah. But if someone has... It, it, If someone has done something to you to the point where, like, okay, let me ask you this. How much money would you take to have had the childhood you had?
5: Oh, gosh, nothing.
0: (laughs) Right. There's no amount of money, right? Like if somebody said, well, I'll give you $10 million to have that shitty childhood for 20 years, right? Or 20 million (laughs) or 50 million, you'd be like, nah. There's no amount of money you take, right? Yeah. And that's why you know that no forgiveness is possible, because there's no possibility of restitution. Yeah. Now, that's on the receiving end. When you lose free will as an evil person is when you commit the act which pushes you past the point of restitution.
3: Mm.
0: Right? So you snap at your kid. Okay, you apologize. You go for ice cream. You talk about it. It's fine. And It actually may be a better thing because you learn something and blah, blah, right? But when you commit... To continuing to harm your children, in particular, it's the worst thing for children because children aren't there voluntarily. Adults can get up and leave any they want, right? It's not, I'm not saying it's easy, but they can. Kids don't choose to be – and, you know, if you're in a bad marriage, you chose to marry the person. You, you dated them. You got engaged. You married. You're staying. And I'm not saying it's easy, but you're there by choice. Children are not there by choice, which is why you have to have the very highest possible standards for your interactions with children because they're not there by choice.
3: That's right.
0: And – so if you harm a child beyond what you can restore, it means you will never be a good person again, because it's impossible for you to undo the evil that you have done, which means you have yeah. no capacity. This is why I tell people, treat your children well. It's not just because I love kids and want them to be happy, but I care for the hearts, minds, and souls of people who are doing evil, and I'm saying to them, stop, stop. Stop yeah. before it's too late because one day you will wake up, you will do something, and it doesn't even have to be a big thing. It could just be a little thing that's the last thing, the last domino to fall, the last straw that breaks the camel's back. It could just be snapping or snarling or being mean or kicking over someone's Jenga or not caring that your kid drew something beautiful. It could be, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be a little thing, and it's that last thing that breaks the yeah. cord, that breaks your capacity to restore what you have broken, fix what you have destroyed. And when you said earlier, I was destroyed, what I got from that is my mother destroyed herself Mm. because she could not make me whole again. And after that, she could not find her way back to the light at all. Because there was no light left in her universe. Because there was nothing left that she could do to undo the evils that she had done. And that's every single day. Your first cigarette's probably not going to kill you. Your ten thousand cigarette might. Somewhere in between, is that dangerous cigarette? You have that one cigarette, and you're going to fucking die. And that's the same thing with with evil deeds. You just one too many restitution is impossible, and you are locked in hell forever.
3: Yeah, that's right. That's right
5: yeah and she knew she was broken too she i remember her admitting it once you know she said she was broken and i'm like well you can maybe unbreak yourself but you know the more i listen to you i wonder especially it's too late.
0: yeah it was probably too yeah. late when, it may have been too late when you were born
5: yeah, yeah that's right and she did case, have you were just damage, surviving apparently. a predator that's right no yeah. more free
0: will than a tiger in a cage
5: that's right yeah like thank god she's dead you know she won't continue it on with my children like i don't ever have to worry about her showing up and trying to impose herself
0: oh yeah Um, no. i mean you you can get a a fair amount of leash from a dysfunctional family a fair amount of latitude but when the kids come along a lot of times man they circle back pretty hard because now they have power over you
3: well you're gonna keep me from
0: my grandchildren (laughs) right
3: yeah
5: yeah did it to my older brother whenever he lives in thailand went over to thailand and just hung around his local town trying to get to his son it was Mm. terrifying right just but yeah yeah so now she's dead like we're just we're lucky
0: (laughs) and so now the the lesson to get out of this i think beth is to look at your relationship not that you're going to do evil but that intimacy is the same it follows the same pattern
3: yeah
0: that if you falsify or avoid or diminish uh, diminish or dismiss or rage or manipulate, then you're putting more and more stress on that thread. And every time you're honest yeah. and every time you're close and every time you connect, then that thread gets stronger. And every time you lie and manipulate or rage, you the thread gets weaker. And yeah. you want to make that thread stronger and stronger because that's joy, that's love, that's connection. And yeah. so with your boyfriend, with your conversations with him, be mindful of that because love can die and it dies through pettiness and selfishness and bossiness and and dominance and self-righteousness all these they're not evil things like you're not beating up a child or something like that they're not evil things yeah but a desert is not a whole lot more comfortable than hell yeah all right well will you let me know how it goes
5: <sighs> we'll do Thank you so much, Steph. I really appreciate You're it. You're very,
0: very welcome. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening and for watching and for participating in this amazing, <laughs> greatest conversation in the world. I really, really appreciate that. Please help out the show if you can at freedomainradio.com slash donate. And you know the spiel. You can pick up the art of the argument. You can uh, do your shopping at forward slash Amazon. Sign up for the newsletter, freedomainradio.com. And follow me on Twitter at Stefan Molyneux. Thank you, my lovely, lovely friends. I will talk to you soon.